Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but why? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> This is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our city. Stay strong. Welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. Uh, we have not one but two special guests here today: John and Jason Anik. You're a UFC fan. You're familiar with the name, but these boys are also from Boston. And they're also diehard Red Sox fans, which I found very interesting, Tyler, because Tyler's in his 20s. I'm in my 30s. They're in their 40s. We're talking three generations of Red Sox fandom with very interesting, mixed, all over the place views of how this this franchise is perceived. We talk a lot about uh, uh, we get a lot of Nomar love in there. There's some 2004 talk. There's some 2007 talk in there. We get to uh, Tyler's beloved 2007 Boston Red Sox. But before we get to that interview. Yes. The Boston Red Sox, baby. (laughs) In spring training, Tyler. 11, 0, and 3. They are still, I repeat, still unbeaten. No one can topple the Boston Red Sox in spring. Spring training giants. <laughs> they, they hit not one. Do it hit again. again. Not one. Not two. Not three. Not four. Not five. Six, Tyler. Six fucking home runs against the New York Yankees today. Six home runs. You ever seen six home runs in a game before? Suck on it. Suck on on it it. again, Tyler. Please. The positivity horn out the gate. We're what, three weeks away from opening day? Three weeks away from opening day. How are the Red Sox getting in shape for opening day? They're hitting six fucking home runs against the New York Yankees. Suck on it. Suck on it. Their opening day this lineup. Team can't. team cannot lose a fucking game right now. <coughs> I didn't expect to lose my, my voice this soon into the podcast, but uh, that's where I'm at. <clears throat> we did obviously record the interview uh, with the Anik brothers before. We did this segment here, uh, but my voice right now is absolutely toasted because I'm, I'm just, I'm amped. Jake, where are you at on this Red Sox team? 2023 Boston Red Sox. How you feeling about your Boston Red Sox? Uh, this team's going to win the World Series for sure. <laughs> this team's going to win the World Series, Jake. Please. This fucking team's going to win the World Series. The DraftKings Sportsbook goes live in Massachusetts. And if you live in the city of Boston, anywhere in Massachusetts, you can go out there and place your bets on your Boston Red Sox. Put your money where your mouth is. Plus 6,000 to win the World Series. Hit me again one more time. 
to win the American League t- plus 2,800, to win the division plus 1,700, to hit the over on 78 and a half wins, minus 115, to make the playoffs, to make the playoffs plus 300? I don't know about that. I kind of like that. Crazy things have happened. DraftKings Sportsbook going fucking live in Massachusetts, and you've got some pretty some pretty interesting odds to take a look at there, Tyler. Honestly, the way things are trending, people are starting to get concerned. I think people are bothered by how strong the vibes are right now. And I don't know. Listen, mm-hmm. we've had our fair share of blocks the last week. If we're being honest, a week ago. We didn't. Justin Turner hadn't been hit in the face. James Paxson hadn't injured his hamstring. You know, we were in a whole different world. Mm-hmm. But still, despite it all, the Red Sox have not lost the game. Chris Sale has come back and given oh. us all a form of life and a new form of hope. Seeing that smile again. Watch. The vibes aren't changing. And I'll tell you, you look around. The Yankees. Ooh, bad news. They're having a couple bad days right now. Saw a lot of Yankees fans laughing at Red Sox that. fans. A lot of them. You know, Carlos Rodon. Yikes. It wasn't fun laughing at Brian Bayo, was tough. it? Tough break. That, that, that's real tough. Harrison oh, Bader. Sure wasn't. The, oh, the oblique. All, all, the, all the, uh, the making fun of Chris Sale for getting hurt. Crazy. Crazy how that works. And, you know, that doesn't include the arms they're losing in the bullpen as well. But, you know, the Rays. We talked about it. Tyler Glass now. I start to look around. If I'm a Red Sox fan, why not us? Why not us? Why not us? Trademark it. Jake. Jake, trademark. Why not us? We're going to put it on merch. We're going to put it on our brand new (laughs) name redacted pod merch that'll be coming out on opening day. We got new merch dropping. We got a new podcast logo dropping. The people aren't ready for it. People aren't ready for the positive vibes. Suck on on it. If you're negative, you can suck on it because it's going to be a positive season for the Boston Red Sox. We're fucking sick of the negativity around here. We're sick of it. Now, (laughs) we're sick of Tyler's shitty ass internet where we can't even fucking see him. You can't see me? Hello? Suck on it. Hello? Hey, I can. We can hear oh. you. We, I just can't see you. Hold Hello. On. All right, it didn't sound like that. Can he, oh my god! All right, well, t- Tyler, you 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 work on your internet. Tyler, you work on your internet. I'm going to tell the great people right here about Blue Moon. Spring training's here, which means baseball is finally back. Blue Moon gives you a dose of ballpark nostalgia to get you excited for the baseball season. In fact, Blue Moon was born in a ballpark at the Sandlot Brewery in Denver, Colorado. It's bold. F- uh, bold flavor, bright explosion of color, and iconic orange slice ritual guarantees a one-of-a-kind beer experience. Perfect for the spring weather. Uh, I'm going to enjoy some Blue Moons when we're done with this podcast. Um, I usually don't drink and pod, but I do uh, wind down at the end of the day with a delicious Blue Moon with uh, an uh, orange slice, which I have a whole basket full of just for Blue Moon. I, I don't really eat oranges on their own, but I will uh, partake in... in uh, an orange experience with a blue moon, which I will be doing right after this podcast from its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander blue moon, Belgian style wheat ale is a one of a kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth creamy finish. 
Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something that's one of a kind? Best served with a signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful hazy color. A beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all season long. Bring the ballpark to you for spring training. Blue Moon Belgian style wheat ale is a one of a kind every time. Get Blue Moon delivered by visiting get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared to see your delivery options. That is get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. Blue Moon made brighter. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado Ale. Okay. Can you Um, see me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm scared. I'm a little nervous right now. Don't be scared. Don't be nervous. No, I'm very nervous because be nervous. usually when this happens, it means Jake has already dunked on me. Oh. But since you just did the read, does that mean I won't get dunked on this episode? Uh, probably not. I might Whoa. even I might even just like. I might have. To, no, I might have Jake do the uh, the Comcast read and somehow no. mix in some sort of. Jake twist. Jake, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to make fun of you. No, 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 it does. It does. How there's no there's other twist. How could Jake possibly make fun of what just happened to you in a Comcast Xfinity ad read? Yeah, I'm drawing a blank right now. <laughs> yeah. This is bullshit. I don't you know how he gets from point A to point B. Do you? When I, do you know what it's like to wake up when you have to go to work in the morning mm-hmm. and you just have... I'm talking. I work from home. Well, congratulations, Jared. Thanks. Um, do you know what it's like to wake up and you just see, wow, Tyler Milliken getting dunked on again by Jake. <laughs> the best way to start my morning must be hard to be Tyler Milliken. How's another L, Tyler? It, you know how that feels to wake up in the morning and try to be positive? You know, I, we're being positive on here. That's you know not what? starting my day positive. You know what? You're pouting right now. I'm fuck off. Do not You're start. Po- with that. Hold on. You're pouting. There is a way to look at this as a positive, and you're just not seeing it because you're being negative right now. Um, the way that you would turn this into a positive, if that many people are tweeting you because Jake dunked on you in an ad read, what does that say to you? That means people are listening to the podcast. That's true. A lot of people are listening. People like to see me hurt or in pain, but no. they respect me no. enough to say it. No, I, 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 don't, respect- I don't feel that way. I trust, I don't think it ever comes from a bad place, but I think it's from the same place of, damn, like, really? Tyler Milliken, really? Are you a real person? And I'm, a, I'm willing to accept that. I'm a weird one, and Jake dunks on me because of that. Mm. I don't think Jake, Jake's not mean to you, oh. though. No, no, I think he's truthful. Does that hurt worse? No, kind of. It's like one of those things like, yeah, I can't do anything about it, but at least it's like it's worth something. You know, it's one thing to just be alive and be a person. And there's nothing. People don't feel a way about you. At least people feel a way about me. Yeah. What is this? What? What is this? What's what? You don't hear that? No. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> I'm feeling emotional. Yeah. <clears throat> no, that's good. I don't think he's. I don't think he's making fun of you. Jake does it better than anyone, so I hope he keeps doing it. Oh yes. See, this is like a '99 soundtrack song right here. 
pesquisar. <clears throat> so I, uh, I'm excited for this interview because it's very, uh, it's different from what we're accustomed to. Usually we'll just get, um, player or we'll get, uh, guy like Will, Lou, like the broadcasters that are very close to it. It's very rare that we're just like, these guys are fucking fans. They live and die with the Boston Red Sox. That's exciting to me. Even for like, like you said earlier, for someone who's my age, like I grew up in winning. So to hear someone who's not the 80 year old or 70 year old, like your grandfather who went and saw all the stuff, it's like someone right in the middle who went. Yeah, like it took you know, me until I was in my 20s to actually experience what the Red Sox went through, like that part of my life. Like, I can't imagine being how old I am now and experience a Red Sox championship for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like my identity is the Red Sox winning championships during my life. So to hear them kind of go in and I think like John and everything, a lot of those connections here, um, you know, Joel was on. And I think a lot of people who are into MMA around here, like it started there and you kind of groove your pathway through. It's nice to see the other sides of these guys, especially in media where like, you hear they're so into baseball. They're so into football. You end up doing MMA and now the UFC and all this different stuff. It's a different perspective. Um, before we get to uh, the interview, YP is calling me right now and I'm going to answer it. Okay. <laughs> What's up, bro? Dude, I was actually planning a fire voicemail, dude. I know. I, well, can I tell you something right now before you say anything? What? You're on the podcast right now. This second. <laughs> this second, yeah. Dude, I was, I was literally. It's actually a shame the podcast is, or, or the the voicemail that we were all just robbed of right now. I'm a little <laughs> bit shook to be honest. You know when you're like already on ring like twelve and you're like planning your your script. And then it just, they answer and you're like, well, now this is awkward, you know? Yeah, I feel that. Um, yeah, I know that. Like, you, happy to talk to you, but not as happy as I would have been to leave that. Yeah, some people, know? some people don't know this. Maybe some people do. Uh, YP, huge St. Louis Cardinals fan. Uh, a two-time, actually, it goes back even further than that. I believe the Red Sox played the Cardinals in the 1946 World Series and the 1967 World Series. Is that right? They lose them in 67? Yeah, that was Bob Gibson. Um, I had to work that year. I wasn't there. (laughs) Yeah, you weren't there in 67. Uh, But 2013, 2004, those are some tough years. Well, listen, everyone said when the Blues played the Bruins in the finals, they're like, Boston owns, you know, St. Louis and championships. And then if we had to pay those ones to get that, I think we would all take it because I'm not sure if you know this, Jerry Carabas, the St. Louis Cardinals are the second most world titles. That's, that's true. Behind a team, behind a team that's honestly, you know, I'm not going to say it, but kind of did some some horrible things. So they should probably vacate those titles anyway. They agree. basically have the most. I would agree. What is it? Eleven titles for St. Louis? Yeah, dude. I'm just mm-hmm. saying. I mean, give us some freaking for for a small town in the, in Missouri. We're doing all right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have any plans on coming to Boston this year? I mean, I'm coming to Red Sox spring training in Fort Myers, whether Jared Carabas likes it or not. I'm coming to see this guy, and we're going to have to plan that. I'm not there. Yeah. I, I was there for a week. You missed me. I told you to no, come. No, you're not, bro. bro. 
Oh my bro, god, dude! No bro, way. I, you know what? I'll come back just for you, but I, I would prefer you would just come to Boston so I can take you to Fenway. Well, I'm glad I found this out now because that would have been so awkward when I showed up there like with my Red Sox hat on, <laughs> looking for you. Everyone would have been like, "Yo, he's gone, dude." But okay, fine. I didn't know that. Okay, fine. I'm coming to Boston then. I don't know, but soon, Rocket, very soon. All right, uh, Tyler would know this. Tyler, did the St. Louis Cardinals come to Fenway this year? Yeah, we're playing everybody, right? Uh, yeah, but not everyone like plays in each other's ballpark. Like we're playing the Dodgers, but we don't oh. go to LA. Uh, they're coming to Boston May 12th oh. through the 14th. May 12th through the 14th. Wow, that's kind of soon too, dude. Yeah, are you are you down to come for that? Wow, that, you know what? This is the first second that my brain knows this information, but I think I'm willing to commit to that. Unless I have one of my best friends is getting married around then, so I hope that I'm not like planning to skip his wedding. But if, I mean, I might have to skip his wedding, dude. It's cards at Fenway, dude. Come on. May 12th through the 14th. That seems weird, right? No, that can't be. Oh, I'm looking at March. Never mind. Uh, May 12th. It's a weekend. Mm-hmm. It is a weekend. Oh I was going to say, I was hoping to see like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so that you would have been like, there's no way someone's getting married on a Tuesday. Um, so Dude, I guess and just, my sister's getting married around the same time, so I may have to skip somebody's wedding. But if not, I will a billion percent be there. I might be there either way, Rocket. You should be. Honestly, you can always zoom into a wedding. You can't. You can't zoom into a baseball game. Like I'm not officiating the wedding. I'm not getting married. No. They don't really need me there that much. You know what I mean? No. And they'll probably uh, they'll probably have other weddings later down the line as well. Like you're not going to get the Red Sox and Cardinals at Fenway Park again this year. Dude, that, that's what I'm saying. So I, I, it shouldn't be a problem, I don't think. I don't think so either. All right, so then uh, you come to Boston, we'll go to Fenway, and then you can come back to uh, the podcast studio at my house so we can do a, a Red Sox-Cardinals recap podcast. Dude, I can't wait. Also, is Yachty playing in this World Baseball Classic? I saw that the other day. No, he's, uh, what was he? He was there though, right? He was just kind of like around. Oh, he's managing. Puerto Rico? Okay, that's better? Yes. Dude, I was, for a second, I saw a picture of him in the thing, and I'm like, how is this dude not playing for the Cardinals, but he's playing in this? I was a little bit confused. Not that I was mad at him, but I was like, bro, like, we need you for one more season if you can play in this, but that makes sense. He's probably built to manage, to be honest, right now. He's, yeah. he's a little bit, his knees need a break, you know? Yeah, he needs to, maybe, he, maybe he'll come back next year. Maybe he will. Who knows? Give yeah. him a little time off, rejuvenate him a little bit. I kind of like Tom Radio. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you know? Uh, do you know who John Anik is? The UFC guy. Yeah, he's uh, he's next. He's uh, where we we had an impromptu YP interview, um, and then we're about to we're about to go to our interview with John Anik and his his brother Jason. Wow, talk about a step down. It's gonna be hard for him to follow up this uh, this phone in. Like he's got to be shook right now. Yeah. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to set the stage? Do you want to? Do you want to send the audience to uh, to this interview? I'm gonna try to do it like uh, like his beginning of his fight in, uh, without the ads thrown in because he does love to throw in some ads for Uncle Dana White. But okay, and here we are. Caravis on the left in the white trunks. Anik on the right. They touch gloves. Oh my God! Six seconds. Knockout, Jared Columbus, the heavyweight champion of the world. I don't know. That, that, that was it. That's perfect. That's perfect. Okay. I love you, Rocket. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks you for too. having me. I will. All right. We'll talk soon.
Okay, bye. Bye-bye. That's YP. Young Page Views. Ben Friedman. Um, All right. Without further ado, our interview with the Yannick brothers. All right. We're here with John and Jason Yannick. Um, This is uh, this is this is a curveball. This is a (laughs) curveball here because we've got the uh, baseball slash MMA crossover. But you guys grew up in Boston. And I know that there are some people that claim Boston, the people that were born in like Roslindale and right. Mattapan. I just I just met one, uh, one of the Red Sox clubbies. He's from Mattapan. Coley, who I used to do Section 10 with, he's from La- Roslindale. They don't like when people say that they're from Boston if they're not from Boston. I'm from Saugus, and I can see Boston from my parents' house. Coley still doesn't like that I claim Boston. Yeah. Where did you guys grow up? See, it's interesting because I work for sort of like a national sport. So increasingly, I feel like Massachusetts people in general would like to, you know, say, hey, you know, Dana White loves hiring guys from Boston, guys from Massachusetts. I do try to qualify it by saying Metro West Boston. We bounced all over. We started in Wellesley. Certain, certainly couldn't yeah, afford to live say, there forever. Boston. Well, that's Boston. So, but we progressively kept moving west, you know, as our financial situation got more dire, right? You go to Natick, then you end up in Medway. <laughs> we were all over the place, but, you know, I mean, we t- I do try to qualify with the Metro West Boston because I know there's a lot of sensitivity there. Yeah, there is. There is. But I, I mean, Wellesley's Boston. Like if, if, if you're, you're right there. All right. So you guys have the, when, when did Boston no longer become home for you guys? Because you guys are down south right now. You guys are soaking in some nice little sun. So yeah, I'll so let you get I, in here. Gonna, yeah, yeah. Let me get in. Let me get in here. So <laughs> it's real interesting. You talk about Boston, even like, like John began his podcast this week, like hi, how I am March 6th. Like he, he, he drops his Boston accent all day long. We take great pride in it, but I haven't lived there since I was 18. I went to college in Florida, moved to LA to be an actor, whatever. And so, so I haven't been there, but to be honest with my kid, I have two little girls, age six and nine. They are Barely sports fan, but completely locked into the teams in which they need to root for. Patriots, Celtics, Red Sox, Bruins, ingrained. Might not be able to name a player, but I haven't been. I'm about to be 45. I have, It's been a long time since I've called it home. Interesting. So I was in the city a little bit longer. I guess I can't even say that anymore on this show. But <laughs> I worked for ESPN Radio and then later ESPN Television in Bristol, Connecticut. And I was very reluctant to move to Connecticut. So I was doing the Watertown to Bristol Drive four days a week for 18 months or so. And then eventually mm-hmm. when I moved from three or four days a week at ESPN to five, I moved to like Rocky Hill, Connecticut. So for me, it was the first 31 years of my life in Massachusetts. And then the last 14 bouncing around Connecticut, Las Vegas, and now South Florida. So I, here's, here's where I'm curious, because if you're born and raised in Boston, you know that people are obsessed with all sports here. All kinds of sports. You get the four major sports. We've seen uh, an abundance of championships here. So I'm a baseball guy, but my side passion is professional wrestling, which is, again, we'll get there, my gateway to get to MMA. But right. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a baseball podcaster. Like, that's my bread and butter. How did you guys sort of get MMA to become your bread and butter when you grew up in Boston? It's like you've got the Patriots, the Red Sox, the Celtics, the Bruins. Like, I would imagine that if you have some sort of passion for sports, that one of those four sports would be uh, your, especially because MMA's come up has been, where would you say the window? The last 10 years, 15 years? So how, how did you get MMA to be your bread and butter and not your side passion? 
All right, so I'll try to answer this as efficiently as possible. So I was handing out K cards as an intern for WEEI back That's in the day. What year? What year? You probably fucking gave me one. I'm sure. <laughs> 2000, you know, I ended up working at Sporting News Radio 1510 The Zone. I hosted the Diehards with Ryan Rossillo and Anthony Pepe, right? And that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to be on the radio in Boston. I want to be Glenn Ordway. I mean, I started as a sports writer for the Metro West Daily News, making 25 bucks a story, laying out the agate page. And I was like, Feeling like I could articulate myself, but maybe I wasn't as good a writer as some of these guys. So the transition went from print to radio and then eventually to television. But I was at 1510 The Zone in Boston hosting the Mouthpiece Boxing Show. We were traveling. That was sort of like our side piece to the diehards. And I covered a mixed martial arts show in Tunica, Mississippi in 2007. My wheels started to churn. And then ultimately, I was in Bristol, Connecticut as one of the few guys under that roof who had any sort of combat sports background. It was like me, Brian Kenny, and Stuart Scott. And those guys were too big time to host MMA How many Live. times did you want to choke out Brian Kenny? I like Brian Kenny. Oh. I'm, a, I'm a fan. But he pisses off everybody. <laughs> yeah, everybody. He, hates, he probably hates MMA more than you do. So uh, <laughs> I love no, MMA. I'm just kidding. No, my, my brother has this agenda that... Uh, that Jared doesn't like the UFC. So we'll get into that Wait, later. What? But no, no, no. I just, I just, when, when you guys met up at DraftKings, I was like, I was all fired up that he got to meet you. And I was like, he doesn't know who the fuck you are. <laughs> that's, that's not true. So when we met, I, I thought he was looking at some, I was like, there's no way that John knows who I am. Like I, I my first pay-per-view that I bought was in 2014. So I, I, I've been paying attention for there some you go, time Jay. now. No, and don't get me wrong. I, Jared, I'm a huge fan of yours. I, you know, John and I are very well connected because we're identical twins, but he is, you know, working for the UFC. I'm just doing my side piece things here or there, but I've been a big fan of yours. So I just bust, I'm like, this guy is so locked in on the Red Sox and WWE, right? Correct. John couldn't name three fighters with respect. It's just different strokes or different folks. Three wrestlers, but I, so I three just, pro wrestlers. Whatever. I just keep saying, John, we got to get Carabas to an event. We got to get him to a UFC event. We got to get him on the floor. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, John. So, no, essentially for me, though, a lot of it was right place, right time. I was a boxing radio journalist who for a time would shit on mixed martial arts, right? Because it was the avalanche that was destroying boxing, which was near and dear to me. But then I went and covered that show in Mississippi. I was like, this is much more exciting than boxing. So then when they launched MMA Live in 08, I auditioned. I was one of a few guys in the building. And uh, three years later, well, I, yeah, three years later, um, I wasn't getting a lot of play-by-play opportunities at ESPN, right? I get like one college football game a season. So in 2011, the UFC was doubling their schedule from 20 to 40 events, brought me in as the number two guy. And uh, here we are, you know, 12 years later. So that's why, like, we're going to get into the, the I guess, generational right place, right time. Like, you guys are in your 40s. I'm in my 30s. Tyler's in his 20s. So when you were saying that you wanted to become the next Glenn Ordway, there was only one, it was one game in town. It was, it was WEI. So if you weren't breaking in with big O on the, on the big O show, then that was it. You weren't getting in. Now there's sports hub. Now, now you just need a cell phone. That's really all you fucking, you just gotta be some asshole on the internet and you can, you can have a podcast now. But back then that was a, a very tough thing to do to break into the sports media industry and when I was first coming up, I mean, I started my blog when I was a junior in high school. We're talking 2006. And I started on MySpace. So that was the first social media website. Like you had Facebook, but it was more for like college kids that were trying to hook up with each other. MySpace <laughs> was like the first place where it was like, hey, I have a band or hey, like I have like this 
uh, this blog that I want to show off or whatever. So that's what I find most interesting is I feel like your careers. I feel like everyone here can sit because because Tyler is uh, the associate producer for Zolak and Bertrand on the Sports Hub. Right. There's a lot of right place, right time in this room right now. No doubt about it. And Jay obviously has sort of gotten on the MMA train over the last several years. And he does a video podcast with top five UFC Welter late Bilal Muhammad and has been traveling with me and, uh, you know, kind of caught the bug. He caught the bug a little bit later. Right. And I don't know if it had to do with my transition to pay-per-view. Uh, but we didn't grow up in a household that embraced professional wrestling. Certainly boxing was on every now and again, but we did not grow up martial artists, right? I hated jujitsu when I tried that recently. So, you know, we didn't grow up with it. Well, I guess within the last, I took six or seven classes probably three or four years ago, and I'll never put those pajamas on again. (laughs) I love the Red Sox. I mean, I never as a broadcaster was going to do 162 I trained jujitsu in like 2015, I want to say. Nice. Like I rolled for a little bit. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I never would have done 162 games as a Red Sox broadcaster, but Sean McDonough, I still put him on a pedestal. We crossed paths briefly at 1510 the zone. Uh, but no, I wasn't gonna do baseball, but yes, that was my love. I mean, I was cutting out newspaper pictures of Nomar like way too late, <laughs> in my, way too late in my life to be doing that. What what years were you guys in high school? What was your four-year range in high school? So we graduated high school in 1997, <clears throat> right? So, so no Mars rookie year, you were seniors. Right. <clears throat> and so for us growing up, obviously, J- so Jared, in 2004, how old were you? I, I was math. 16. All right. So that's de- that pretty no, good, 15, right? You, 15. All right. <clears throat> so like for us growing up, we were, Patriots were number one. My grandfather had a, uh, we had box seats next to Kraft until they drafted Drew Bledsoe, and I think they doubled the price, so we couldn't <laughs> afford it once. So we were there, Sullivan Stadium, during all the terrible years for the Patriots. So that was really number one. All the men and women in our family still to this day, the Patriots are on a pedestal. And I'll say for John, too, I'll speak for him. Mixed martial arts was definitely like a bat. That was by no means that a lot of that, to your point, Jared, sort of there was a lot of luck involved in circumstances. We still even in his last you know contract negotiation with the UFC, I'm talking like, bro, let's talk NFL. Like, what do you want to call NFL games? What do we you know? So so the four major sports were still our passion. But I'll tell you, so for me, I was living in Los Angeles in 2004. And by the way, I wore this shirt for you. This is David Ortiz's first all-star jersey yeah. from Houston Ooh. in 2004. He homered off Roger Clemens in that game. I figured you'd appreciate it. Yeah, so, him and Manny. Uh, incredible. Right. So <laughs> I, was, I was living in LA in 2004 and I was bartending at Houston's restaurant in Santa Monica by the water. And I met a guy who came in who was a regular and I was 24 at the time, 25, and he was 40 years old. He was a diehard baseball fan, very rich man, diehard St. Louis Cardinals fan, but he liked the Chouds. He liked the Red Sox a little bit and couldn't get enough talking to me about baseball. Probably how, Jared, you rubbed off on a lot of people in your life, right? So this guy, we became quick friends and basically just started following the Red Sox up and down the West Coast in 2004. Just he would take, we'd go to San Francisco, he'd get us each a room at the W and we'd go to just all all these games, Seattle, just all these ballparks that I had never seen before. And then they start making their run and he's a Cardinals fan, right? So the World Series happens, right? And so it's the matchup that happens. I don't have to tell you how they got there. And so basically he's like, we're going, you know, and I like threw him a thousand bucks for the whole trip. But the thing was, we were only going your to games sugar three. Daddy. That's your sugar daddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but we were only going to games three and four. 
So I knew I was going to St. Louis games three and four before I knew any of the results games one, two. So I was in the building 2004 in St. Louis, crying my eyes out, (laughs) celebrating in that building on that first championship and growing up. While I say the Patriots were sort of first for us, when you grow up with the Red Sox not having won a championship, yeah, my grandfather was born in 1918. So 2004 for us was, I mean, it was all about the Red Sox. And I will say, I am definitely still a diehard Red Sox fan. But ever since 2004, I haven't gotten that feeling quite back yet from the drought. I can't tell you how happy I am. There's four to speak of now to wipe right. it all away. But anyway, that's my rant. I feel like talking to someone who was in the building that night is it's got to be very similar to like talking to a survivor from the Titanic. It's like <laughs> it's such a historical event, but there's not many of them. Like, is it happened in St. Louis? Uh, I know that at the end, a lot of the Red Sox fans came down towards the dugout after they had won. And you can look around like there are there are a lot of Red Sox fans, but not a ton. Like how many would you throw an estimate out there? There's probably what, 5000? Yeah. And but you're exactly right. The fucking Houston Astros, when they play playoff games at Fenway, there's like 15, 20,000 of them that they they travel like crazy. And that's not even to win a a championship for the first time in 86 years. Like how many Red Sox fans would you say were in St. Louis that night? I'd say a couple thousand, um, Which, you know, maybe and 5, they were down, is right. It was, they were down three games to nothing. If you're a Cardinals fan and you have tickets to that game, you could probably sell those tickets that night for like fucking twenty five thousand dollars. They're going to there has to be a Red Sox fans like, yep, done. Great. Yeah, no question about it. And what I will say is like in the bars afterwards, the St. Louis fans were so happy for us. They, they couldn't have been happier and more gracious. Um, and they got one know, two I'm, years later anyway. It's like they, yeah, they didn't exactly. have to wait very long for theirs. Um, but but it's really interesting, man. Like, I, Jared, I mean, obviously watching your career and everything you've done, in a way, when you talk to John, it's like your paths are very different, you and John. But in the same way, there was a very similar hunger early on. The paths have been different. But the way you've sort of your own path, man, like there is nobody like you, brother, for real. I appreciate that. And, and I feel like the last week has been a reminder of that for me, because sometimes <laughs> Uh, like I'll have like press passes like at, at Red Sox winter weekend, like I'm up there interviewing the owner of the team, the GM of the team, the fucking manager of the team. And then other times, uh, Dan Shaughnessy, who I'm sure you guys are familiar <laughs> with. Uh, did you see this by any chance? Quite possibly. No. <laughs> so you guys know who Dan Shaughnessy is, right? Of course. Of course. I met him in St. Louis, believe okay. it or not, when I was going. <laughs> this dude wrote a whole ass column about uh, me chirping him on Twitter. So it's like, sometimes I'll feel like, wow, man, like you really, you made it as like a professional <laughs> in this in this industry. And then I'll, I'll read it to you. Here, <laughs> here's Please. what his it column uh, says. Th- these are screenshots from, from Tyler Milliken because I, uh, I don't pay to subscribe to the Boston Globe. Well, I um, woke up at 6 a.m. I was shocked. I had to send every <laughs> single one because no matter what, Sean, is he trying to junk or dunk on Jared? Sure. It like so many compliments. It's basically just giving him his flowers and saying, all right, he made me mad on Twitter. Yeah. But at the same time, there's another writer from the Boston Globe. Total dickhead, uh, Pete Abraham. And yeah, so I saw him at spring training and I told the story on the last podcast. This this man walked into the bathroom that I was in, saw me and turned around and left like the Simpsons gif. <laughs> so Tyler sends me a link to a Boston Globe article and he said, you made him cry. And I was like, did fucking Pete Abraham write a column like complaining that I made fun of him for running out of the bathroom? But it wasn't Pete. It was Dan Shaughnessy, who I completely <laughs> forgot about this. So 
Uh, he writes, on my way back to spring training, I got into a small Twitter dust up with Red Sox mascot, Jared Carabas, a wildly popular baseball fan from Saugus oh. who has turned his love into a business empire. The likable Carabas landed a sweet gig with a betting company. Shout out to DraftKings. Uh, has a billion Twitter followers. My mom would love that. I mean, I, it's it's like <laughs> 430,000, but we'll, I'll take a billion. <laughs> um, his own show on Nessun. The Sox love him so much that he had his own duck boat station for the last championship parade. He was the official team moderator when fans revolted at Red Sox winter weekend in Springfield. Jared has been promoting the great vibes in the still undefeated Red Sox camp after Rymel Tapia's homer in a 7-1 win over the Mighty uh-huh. Tigers Monday. He wrote, quote, we went from the Red Sox are scrambling to put together an outfield to the Red Sox have too many outfielders and not enough real uh, not enough spots real quick. Uh, I rarely engage on Twitter. But that one put me over the edge. I mean, Masataka Yoshida, Adam Duvall, Average Al Verdugo, Rob Refsnyder, Tapia. I typed, quote, yeah, reminds me of when NL All-Star manager had Aaron Mays Clemente and Frank Robinson and had to start one on the bench. This set off Sox mascot, who fired <laughs> back with, meh, meh, meh. I'm Dan Shaughnessy. I hate the Red Sox. Meh, meh, meh. Seriously, people, does it really have to be one or the other? Is anything less than full Rochi now considered a false narrative? So there are times where I have to remind myself, like, you're you're just a diehard Red Sox fan that somehow turned that into a career. Like, here I am chirping Dan Shaughnessy on Twitter, and that became a whole ass article in the Boston Globe, an actual, like, reputable media outlet. And here, like all my friends from home, like because I will mock like my entire life. Like that was my thing was like I would mock you like they would say something like that's what I and it would make them so mad to like I would do this as an adult, make fun of someone like a third grader and people's brains explode. They don't know how to handle it. So that was a big moment for me where I made fun of Dan Shaughnessy like a third grader and it upset him so much that he was compelled to write a column about it. And it's good that it was Shaughnessy who wrote it and not yeah. Pete Abe, right? Historically, that obviously is going to age a lot better. Yes. You know? um, yes. I, I will stop at calling Dan Shaughnessy legendary or royalty. Honestly, <laughs> I've been out of the city so long, but I will tell you, obviously, we can relate to you. You know, I grew up under Eddie Andelman, the goddamn godfather of sports talk radio. And mm-hmm. if nobody in the room has been to a Yankees elimination party, it's a great fucking thing. So, mm-hmm. yes, I look to your feed the day the Yankees are eliminated. My brother and I have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years ensuring that that team does not frequent the World Series. And they certainly have not been there very often in the last 20 years. So you're welcome, Red Sox Nation. Um, (laughs) But obviously, we can align with you in a lot of respects because we can let that fan go. Right. Like maybe I've said things on my podcast. My twin brother's like, dude, you ever want to call an NFL football game? Maybe you shouldn't talk about that on your podcast. You know what I mean? So like I can lean into that because of what I do for a living. Yeah, it, it is very interesting in, in that way where, uh, you know, I, I think that there are, it's it's very rare when people set out with a goal so early and just attack that until they actually get there. I feel like there's a lot of stories in this industry where it's like, yeah, I did this and then I pivoted to that. And then I, I finally caught on with this where they just kind of like bounce around. But it is kind of rare where someone identifies what they want to do. And then they just go for it. When when for both of you, did you kind of have that moment where I was like, this is this is what I want to do. And I'm just going to go chase that until it happens. 
Yeah, Jay was a, a pretty successful actor uh, until he decided to sort of pivot. So, Jay, why don't you lead the dance? <laughs> well, no, I mean, my, you know, my career's sort of been different. I mean, I, <clears throat> I moved to L.A. to be an actor and then, you know, thought at 25 I was way too old. So I've been doing business in Florida. <clears throat> I operated a financial services business down here for 15 years. Now I'm in a stone business down here. But I'm much more interested in sports than I am in my businesses, you know? So um, I've gotten into MMA. And when I started this podcast with Bilal Muhammad, I didn't know much about the UFC, but I can't get enough. And I travel around with John and, you know, I'm watching the fights with Joe Rogan's wife. You know what I mean? It works. Um, But but for for me, really, it's... um, it's still Boston sports. And I'm I, what my thing with John and all these po- po- personalities, even like Ryan Rosillo back in the day, trying to get John and Ryan Rosillo to like be fans of Boston sports teams as they've become sort of journalists has been more challenging. Like there were times over the years where John has been like, you know, just busy with his work life and not as interested in the Boston sports and not following them to the same extent. And so that for me, I'm like, bro, like what's up? So for me, that's still paramount, but also too, we hosted a NFL show together called Annex squared this last season. And you can be sure he, he can flow about the NFL in a way he still might not be able to about the UFC. Believe mm. it. Yeah. I mean, play by play is my passion. And I do think Jared and Tyler and everybody else, it's more important to crystallize what you don't want to do. Certainly I benefited from the fact that at 16, I knew I wanted to work in sports. But I got to Bristol, Connecticut, and I was like, I sure as fuck don't want to be a highlight machine every night. You know, mm-hmm. top of the fifth inning, Royals and A's in a freezing cold studio, although mm-hmm. I like the air conditioning. I don't want to do that every night, right? But then you get a chance to do a live event, and that's really where my passion is. You know, sometimes I wish I could get the nerves going when, like, I'm on a desk, right, versus being in a broadcast booth. So. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think there will always be an NFL tug, right? Like I used to fantasize about being like a Celtics voice and getting a championship ring. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I like that I have my NFL Sundays. I guess the the biggest challenge for me is the international travel with three kids. I'm away 100 nights a year for the last 12 years. And uh, unlike a lot of people out there that fantasize about global travel, I will probably shred my passport as soon as I'm done with the UFC and never leave the U.S. again. So <laughs> there's an there's an appeal and a pull of some of these domestic play by play gigs. I think that'll always be there. But I have a dream job and uh, I take it very seriously, perhaps too seriously at times. And, uh, you know, it uh, I'm a promoter and not a journalist. That's something I never thought would happen. But here we are. You right. can relate to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was going to say, like, never mind leaving the country. I don't even want to leave my fucking house. Like, it, it takes me. <laughs> Uh, it takes a lot to get me to to go outside. Um, I want to know what your both of your earliest memories are of the Boston Red Sox going to Fenway Park, because I feel like if I ask Tyler right now, like, what's your earliest memory of the Boston Red Sox? Like, it's probably something that happened for all of us, like in high school or like later. It- what is, yeah, is it? Wait, before you guys go, Tyler, what's your what's your earliest memory of the Boston Red Sox? Was it like fucking uh, when when David Ortiz retired? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> really? My first like actual memory. I remember sitting there was Dice K's first start in a Red Sox uniform against Seattle. Uh, yes. Oh, uh, seven. You know, beginning of the season. Ten I was so hyped. Everyone had hyped me up about it. You know, gyro ball, all this different stuff. Mm. And that's what led my love for the 2007 Red Sox. Yeah. I took it game by game. And. By the end of the year, I was the biggest Red Sox fan you ever find, and I got hooked. 2007. So I was was getting laid back then. Our father went to Seaford High School in Seaford, New York, and 
an MMA coach, Ray Longo, always likes to tell me I have New York blood, right? Because my dad's from Long Island, right? I don't have New York blood, let's be clear, right? But he yeah, always tries to that. throw that in my face. But I remember my dad, who was a Mets fan, who then went to Northeastern University. My dad got so consumed by the Red Sox, despite growing up a Mets fan, that he woke us up at seven years old when the Red Sox, Bill Buckner, right? So yeah. you're looking for a Fenway memory. Now, I was at Hideo's no-hitter at Camden Yards, right? I was at the 1999 All-Star Game and the tickets materialized day of. So we have a lot of special moments. Yeah, we went to Red Sox games in the 80s when they weren't very good. I remember fucking Mike Boddicker probably was my first uh, my first game. But uh, I will never forget, I was sleeping on a trundle bed next to my twin brother because we had anxiety being apart. And my dad came in <laughs> to wake us. And I've never heard a grown man wail when yeah. the ball went through Buckner's legs. My dad, it, it was a, you know, his his mom would have a seizure years later. He seemed more upset about the ball going through Buckner's <laughs> legs. <laughs> you guys were probably what, like 11? Seven, we eight. We were eight. And and oh. you're leaving out some details. So my dad did wake us, and but I re- that is like literally m- one of my earliest memories. And we had cousins trauma. in town from New, from New York. Yeah. No, and uh, yeah, and obviously, but but it is really true. My dad, like from New York, got so locked in be living in Boston that like almost became a sports fan. Much more so in Boston, and the New York teams just didn't care about him anymore. It was amazing. Oh my god, eighty six. I feel like. Uh... If I were seven or eight, which my first my first time at Fenway, I was eight. My first game was in 97 um, against wow. the Marlins, the year that they won the World Series. And I know Nomar popped up. Uh, it was like an infield pop up to end the game. He had a chance to win it in the bottom of the ninth. And I like that's that's my first time at Fenway. I remember like seeing the lights. So comparatively speaking, at seven, I. That was, like I remember a fucking pop up in a July baseball game. I can't even imagine what being woken up to see the Red Sox oh, blow man. the World Series would have done to my seven year old psyche. Because my moment comparatively for that would have been 2003 when Aaron Boone hits the home run. I just wrote about this. It's on uh, DK Live. Uh, I had tickets to Game One of the World Series with my dad. We had never and and I wrote like. I kind of like, obviously I was a diehard Red Sox fan, but I almost wanted it more for him in a way. Like I was almost like more heartbroken for my dad. Yeah. Knowing he's never been to a world series. Like he's it's, it's, it was one of those things. So I remember I was wearing a Johnny Damon t-shirt, which that's like another like weird connection with all this. The night that that happened, I was wearing a Johnny Damon t-shirt. I took it off and I spiked it and I fucking threw it on the ground. I started screaming, crying. (laughs) And then, Last year, last year, uh, when the Celtics were in the finals and they lost to Golden State, I'm walking down the street c- to get away from the crowd to uh, to get an Uber and my phone rings. It's Johnny Damon. And he's like, hey, man, uh, like my flight got canceled and there's no hotels because the, the like PGA was in town. The finals were in town. He's like, can I crash at your place? So fast forward all these years later. And I'm having a sleepover with Johnny Damon. <laughs> but in 2003, I'm ripping his shirt off and spiking it wow. on the ground and crying my eyes out because the the Yankees just hit a walk-off home run and uh, the Red Sox are no longer going to the World Series. Um, I can't even... like Tyler, do you even have a heart 
heartbreak moment? Like, what the fuck was like heartbreaking for right? you as a Red oh, Sox fan? Don't even, don't even. 2008, what 2008 did to a young Tyler Milliken <sighs> who thought he was going to see back to back championships. Huh. David Price coming out of the bullpen to finish that thing off after thinking they were going to have another legendary comeback. That still lives with me. And I think there's a lot of people my age that still bothers. <laughs> Not as painful as what you guys went through. <laughs> no, but no, it, my it, pain. It, it bothers me, but like. 2003 bothered me in a way where like I stopped believing in religion. Like did 20 did 2008 <laughs> make you question the existence of God? <laughs> a little bit because I had never experienced loss in my life. Like I was a winner up until that point. All you guys were losers right. for a majority right. of my childhood. That's right. I was you guys are exactly. losers. I'm so Taylor Milliken. I'm a winner, <laughs> damn it. <Yeah. laughs> I started watching. I thought I was different. I was like, hey, Red Sox won my first year watching every game. We're going to run it back. And it broke my heart that year. But, you know, mm. that's the life you live as a baseball fan or any sports fan. Well, right? like in 2008, <laughs> from my standpoint, like everything was gravy. I was like, I don't deserve. We got 04 and when we got 07, <laughs> when they won 07 to shut everyone the fuck up about 04. I mean, I and it just to me, the multiples and and just as a Boston sports fan, I've been with my wife since like the end of 2003. And she just for the first, you know, we've been together 19 years and she's just like, it's just me. It's me. I'm just uh, you've been with me and every they just started winning. But. No, we've been very fucking lucky the last 20 years. Yeah, I that's another note that I made in there because the whole premise of the piece was top five playoff game, Red Sox playoff games that I've ever been to. And when I talked about 2007, I said I wasn't ready for 07. I was still partying (laughs) over 04, right? And then 07 happened and I was just like, I can't juggle all this at the same time. Like, I don't know how to feel about this. In 2013, which is great for its for what it was that year and what that meant. Uh, but when 07 happened, it was just like it was like having a threesome. I was like, I, I'm, I'm a young boy. I can only handle analogy. one woman right now. And then I, I'm having sex for the first time. And then another beautiful woman just climbs into my bed. And I'm like, I don't know what to do here. That's yeah. what 07 felt like for me. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think you get attached to these different teams. And I will say that 2003 Aaron Boone home run, I'm lathered at a bar in Watertown and (laughs) I'm using the restroom downstairs and I hear the disaster upstairs. Like, honestly, like too browned out at that point to like, you know, recognize that I need to go to the bathroom at commercial breaks. Right. Still to this day, my lowest sports moment. Oh, you know, like not even forget David Tyree and anything thereafter. Yeah. I like, do you think, uh, do you think that 2003 could ever be topped? Cause I mean, I wasn't born in in 86. Like you guys might've been too young for 86 to really hurt that badly. I don't know that 2003 can be topped in terms of like an, our lifetime pain moment. If we're talking baseball, Boston Red Sox, I agree for me. The Patriots not being able to seal the deal on the perfect season and win that game probably is a notch above it in terms of Boston sports overall. And I will say, 2010, the Celtics had, I mean, I really, I, the Celtics and the Patriots are right there for me with the Reds. 2010, the Celtics had a great opportunity to win that championship in game seven and, and win two in three years. And that team would be looked at differently if they had won two in three years. Um, There's a lot of moments. The Patriots have had some incredible seasons where they have nothing to show for it. But yeah, 2003, I don't. But you know, to me, 2003 tells the 2004, 2003 is not part of the 2004 story. So that pain made the joy greater for me. A hundred percent. Dude, I'll just say, thank God, Nomar 
made the all-star team when he was a Dodger later on and hit like 20 home runs or whatever he did in the first half, right? Because I'm such a Nomar Garcia Parr fan that mm-hmm. even recounting the story you did, JC, knowing how many times he popped up on the infield, I yeah. wouldn't even have recounted that story to the masses that first way. Pitch. Like I wouldn't, <laughs> like you're throwing him under the bus in a way I, I still to the, I, that dude's so near and dear to me, man. I can't even begin to describe it. My favorite professionally athlete, my favorite professional athlete all time. And I can't even think who might be second. It is. It, so I'm glad that you said that because Nomar was the first player that I, I look at it this way. <clears throat> when you're a kid, uh, who was a star to you when you were a kid will still be a star to you as an adult. But when you're an adult in their stars, it's like you don't you just don't don't feel the same way about it. So when I met like Kane in like Stone Cold Steve Austin as an adult, it was still like, holy fucking shit. They're like, I've been in David Ortiz's house and it's like, yeah, what's up, David? Like, that's that's my guy. But like, if I met Nomar right now, like I've I've only met him one time and like I met him because it was at uh, game five of the 2010 World Series in Texas. And he was with ESPN and there was just like a group of fans that were like handing him things to sign. And I literally just like handed him my paper ticket and he signed it and gave it back to me. So I've still really not met him. And I don't know, maybe three weeks ago, my sister sent me a picture. She was at Patriot Place and she was like, I think Nomar's here. And I was like, excuse me? She's like, yeah, like he's like here with like some people. And then she just like sends me this picture back, like posing with Nomar. I was like, I I actually fucking hate you. Like I, I I genuinely dislike you as a person. Like you're not you should not have had that moment. Like that was my moment and you took it from me. Have you come across Nomar in 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 your days? I bet he looked great by the way. I bet he Oh my great. god, his hair his, oh. his hair is still perfect. He he looks amazing. So Ryan Rosillo is my dear friend. I just so happened to talk to him recently on his show and he and Nomar are neighbors. So there might be a possible in I know everything about the guy. Whittier, California, July 23rd, 1973. I was obsessed beyond what a yeah. man should be towards another man. August 1st, like, 1996 came up. Debut. There you go. I First like run of, off a of way back Wazden. I mean, <laughs> oh, John Wazden. That's great. I like sort of keeping him revered as my hero because I truly think that he couldn't care possibly less about meeting like the lead play-by-play voice of the UFC. I don't so know I if think- that's true. You're selling yourself short. I, I don't know that that's true. I mean, I couldn't tell you if he's an MMA fan or not, uh, but... Well, so- dude, I was ready to get the fucking Red 5 tattooed on my body forever, <laughs> and then they start handing it out like hotcakes. Rocco Thank Ball Deli can have it. Anybody can fucking Thank- have it. You I was know? gonna <laughs> say that. They have given out the number five. <laughs> it's almost like whenever a player comes here, they're like, you look like you want number five. Like, they give it to fucking Nick Punto, Johnny Gomes, who I love. Great guy. Right. Ian Kinsler. They're just like, hey, five, five, five. Everyone's fucking where Alan Craig. He sucked. It's crazy. I, did Baldelli wear five? Yeah, I, I think he was the two. first one. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. And I love Stromar. Rocco. Great guy. The wound socket rocket. But like, what are we doing here? It's oh the people gosh. the people that were complaining that Justin Turner showed up this spring training and were wearing number two. I was like, Go go have a mental breakdown about everyone wearing five before we start complaining about people wearing two. Like number five, that meant something. Do you remember the song, uh, the the parody of Mambo number five? Yes. No Mars number five. No Mars number five. 
Yeah, Tyler doesn't know what the fuck we're talking about. And that's why you're going to learn something today, Tyler. This is a learning moment for you. That's it. I want to hear this stuff because only my cousins, my dad, they're the ones who taught me no more in the callers on 98.5 who scream at me and tell me, I don't care how much you like baseball. It will never be as fun or as interesting as when Noma was here. I'm still not over it. So to hear it from your guys' experience, it's like I get to you know live through it a little bit. <laughs> so we love box scores, right? Obviously, my job with the UFC doesn't allow me to watch a lot of baseball, right? But we check the box scores every day. Baseball has long been my favorite sport to bet on, even though I have some squarish tendencies in terms of betting against streaks and things like that. Um, I don't even want to think about how much money I've lost betting on the New York Yankees over the years. You know, I bet on them basically every day. Um, try to take them down every day. Um. <laughs> Is this it right here? Did I find it from 15 years ago? Sounds right. <laughs> Kill me. No. What is this? You never heard the Mambo's Mambo number five? Mm-mm. Oh. <laughs> Nixon. It hits. <laughs> Everett. Lou. Oh. <clears throat> oh, God. <laughs> Amazing. What a song. What a song. Carl Everett Ty- getting shouted out in that song. Yeah. I love it. Oh, remember when Carl Everett broke up that no hitter against the Yankees? Perfect I celebrated game. like or perfect games. I celebrated. I was there. We, oh. Were you? Yes, I was there with my dad. I want to say that was like the day before or two days before 9-11. Well, that's so funny. You just mentioned 9-11. Tyler, what year were you born? 1998. So one year after you guys <laughs> so graduated. September, <laughs> so September 11th, 2001. I get on a plane leaving Logan Airport. Listen same to this shit. Pla- Flying down to Tampa to watch the Red Sox play all four games in a series. Like, so we were diehard back then, right? So the planes hit the World Trade Center. I'm in air flying to go watch the Red Sox play four, four games. They land us in Virginia. I bump into Trot Nixon in the airport who is flying. Tyler, if you don't know who Trot Nixon is, number seven in your program, right <laughs> field. Thank you. Thank you. So Trot, really Trot, Nixon's, oh. Trot Nixon's son was born on 9 11, 2001. That's where, that's where I'm going. Mm-hmm. So, so he was on the way back up to Boston because his wife was going into labor. So I, so anyway, they put me back on a bus. My mom's like, you're coming back home, back up bus to Boston. I didn't see any of the footage of, of the planes hitting the towers until the following day. Um, but Met Trot that day, yeah, his son was born that day, 100% yes. right. But that was a crazy story. Yes. Carl Everett breaking up Mike Mussina's perfect game was on oh. September 2nd, 2001. Yeah, you Carabas has one of those memories. Yeah, those steel memories. Asperger's big time. I'm telling you. I remember Don't make me go eight. get my Nomar Georgia Tech jersey and put it on for the rest of the show. You won't so do John, it. You John, won't do you it. Tell him tell him in terms of like uh, <laughs> He's gonna do it. <laughs> tell Here him about, he goes. <laughs> Let's go. I have a I have a Nomar ninety nine all star game jersey. Do you have I like a jersey? I mean, you're you're obviously a jersey guy. If you, if, if you can whip yeah. out a 2004 All Star Game jersey, you've got other jerseys in your collection. Do you have a personal favorite? Um, Let's go! Look at that! Wow, Georgia Tech. I mean, wow. 
I, I, I really do. It's funny you talk about being starstruck, right? Because I've had Donald Trump point to me and, and call me over <laughs> during a live UFC pay-per-view to tell me he watches us all the time, right? And you meet other people along the way. I just did a movie scene with Jake Gyllenhaal, right? Nicest guy yes. in the world, right? But meeting Nomar, bro. Like, I just think we should just leave it, stop it down. It's just good right now. We're giving me a normal good right now. I don't need, I would be starstruck beyond a shadow of a doubt. So, but on John, that, like, yeah, go ahead, Jerry. On that same token, I'm obviously very tight with Lou Merloni, who's best friends with Nomar. Like, Nailed. I have the direct Brandon. line. I don't take it because it's either A, I think I would be too starstruck, or B, my fear is I'll ask Lou to ask Nomar if he wants to come on the podcast or whatever. And like, what if he says no? Like, I would just, oh. I would be crushed. I, would be, I, I don't know. Like, you want to talk about heartbreak? Like, what could top 2003? I ha! think Nomar telling me to go fuck myself well, would be pretty high on that list. Just show him like three minutes of this <laughs> yeah. episode. And yeah. I think he would come on. <laughs> so, John, tell him about like Trevor's story. Just because like what happens to John sometimes is he working for the UFC, there's a lot of professional athletes that are big UFC fans mm -hmm. and especially baseball so players. Yeah, so, so Trevor story signs with the Red Sox. I'm all excited. I go to follow him on Instagram and it says follow back. And I'm like, what does this guy want to do with the UFC play-by-play -play announcer? You come to find out Kike Hernandez. A lot of these guys are big UFC fans. So it is that connective tissue. And it's interesting because when Trevor would get injured, right, I'll message him or he'd hit an opposite field home run. I'm like, dude, how'd you get that pitch out of there? Yeah. And he continues to direct the conversation back to the UFC. Like, oh, I stayed up for the pay-per-view, you know, mid-season, right? Stayed up, Sugar Sean O'Malley, unbelievable. And it's like, I want to engage him on baseball and he wants yeah. to engage me on UFC. So uh, obviously I'm rooting for him and hoping that, uh, you know, his so, season can be salvaged. I have a great Trevor story story. And Jake, you <laughs> might have to bleep this. So I'm going to cover my mouth, but you guys can hear me say it. Sorry to the audience. You're going to miss out on something pretty cool. But guess <laughs> whose house Trevor story bought after he signed with the Red Sox? Who's that? <laughs> no oh, way. Oh, yeah, that's where he lives. I that's love it. sick. Like that's, that's like, unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Mm hmm. And I'm not going to comment any further. I would say so. That's good. That's great. Yeah. I love it. <clears throat> See that? That's that's like you know I'm I'm here. Like I'm in it now. Like I am pot committed. I love that. But Jay yeah. and I were torn on that signing, right? Like I'm an optimistic Red Sox fan. You know, I like this leadoff guy, right? I laugh at all of the negativity when it goes down and try to give the front office the benefit of the offseason. Now, Jared, obviously you are so embedded in all of this and. You know, certainly as Red Sox fan, we like having you up on that, you know, podium with these guys. Um, but I'm optimistic. And Jay, with respect, Jason, you know, he's a total dick when they sign someone like Trevor Story. <laughs> no, so. no, no. So, well, Jared, you're super optimistic all the time. And I'm right there with you. Like yeah. Alex Cora, I'm telling you, like, even, like when Alex Cora went that suspension, like I wanted him back so badly. I think so highly of that man. And I know you're very tight with him. But for me, I'm not that signing of Trevor Story with all due respect. No, that particular signing and that particular contract. No, from from with all due respect, I root hard for the guy. Um, you know, I don't really understand a lot of how this team has operated from an ownership standpoint. I couldn't you were so great on that podium. The way you asked those questions, there were so. It was like wrestling. I, I, so no one caught this. 
and I'm going to I'm going to tie this back to MMA. This was a callback to Money in the Bank 2011, uh, CM Punk versus John Cena. So uh, we anticipated booze, right? So we're kind of talking about, uh, you know, they're going to get booed out there. And how are you, Jared, going to make this a lighter moment? And I was like, yeah, Jared. I was like, I got it. Don't worry about it. I was like, I got it. So in Money in the Bank 2011, which is in Chicago, the background is Vince McMahon is going to fire John Cena if he doesn't beat CM Punk because CM Punk's contract expires at midnight. So if he wins the WWE title, he's just leaving the company and not coming back. And then the prestigious title is gone because CM Punk won it and poof, it's vanished. So they're in Chicago, the most hostile environment that we've ever seen, because obviously <laughs> Punk is, is big in Chicago. Right, right. And uh, so now they're chanting, you can't wrestle. And Punk just stops the match and he looks at the crowd. He goes, wait, me? And they're like, no. And then he points at Cena and they're like, yeah. And he's like, oh, okay. So... So we're now like they're booing the shit out of uh, Haim and John Henry. So I'm holding the mic and I'm just like, wait, me? And they're like, no. And I was like, them? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so we kind of just, yeah. I, I think uh, there's a lot of like pro wrestling and MMA like showmanship that goes on on at least in our variation of sports media. Like we're not, we're not journalists, but like we can be like, we get information. I guess like you, in a way are a journalist, if you're sharing information that p- people wouldn't have otherwise, but we do it in a way where it's like, I'm a fan. Other fans are listening and I know what it's like to be a fan wanting that inside information. So it's almost like we're sliding it to you on like a note that's face down. And like you can take it and look at it if you want and then put it back down. Like that's yeah. kind of how we share information on this podcast. Long-winded story, but it, I thought it was funny. Yeah. No, and I think Jay and I, there you and I have some similarities, right? I mean, Joe Rogan always says that we're professional fans, right? We are a conduit at the end of the day. I think it's funny sometimes when people suggest, oh, you know, they told them they couldn't say Francis Ngannou this weekend on the broadcast, right? Because he's no longer our heavyweight champion. And Dana has said he's never going to fight for the UFC again, right? There's never any directives like that from the UFC. Um, but I hadn't thought about Seriously. that necessarily as still being a conduit and still being a journalist. But uh, you're doing a fucking great job, kid. We're admiring <laughs> from afar, it. that's for sure. <laughs> I appreciate it. How often do you guys get to Fenway? I would like to go to a game with you guys. So I took my kids last summer and very happy to have done that. But top where the one, fuck was my DM? Why? Why was I not contacted about this? I would have rolled out the red carpet for you. Uh, well, I'm very excited to come back to Boston next summer then uh, and have the yeah. red carpet rolled out. <laughs> you know, yeah, no, candidly, Trevor Story's like, dude, let me know next time. But I'm just that's just not my style. Um, I'll yeah. probably pay for my bad seats again. No, we had good seats. But, you know, top one, it's five nothing Blue Jays. It was like the 28 to five game. Right. So I turn to my 11 year old daughter, Riley, say, honey, um, yeah, this is amazing. This is like for daddy. This is like the greatest day of my life. But didn't need five nothing top one, honey. The game's over. She's like, it's the first time. No, it's fucking five nothing top one. It's over. And then the beating went on from there. So that was a little bit anticlimactic. But I I try to get there as much as possible. I mean, I lived there for a summer when we lived in Brighton, cutting out the Boston Herald so I could like. Masturbate to no more. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was there that night as well. I believe it was a Friday night, and uh, I was there with like a group of girls, 
and it was their first time at Fenway. Humble brag, I was there with a group of girls. And <laughs> they were like, oh my God, like take our picture. And like, oh, smile, like get in. I'm like, you don't fucking understand like what's happening. No, like, you don't get that this is in like one of the most, if not the most embarrassing loss in the regular season, <laughs> I think has ever taken place. And guess who has to wear it? Like I was trying to think of it before because if you're, uh, I guess... <clears throat> I don't know, like who besides the employees, like who's more forward facing on behalf of the organization? Like who has to eat shit more than me when the Red Sox are bad? It's crazy that your professional life is inexorably linked to a franchise like that. Yeah. It's uh, it's something. No, I think a lot of people fantasize about in a lot of respects. But uh, yes, I mean, certainly like my twin brothers texted me like, dude, like. Not a great week for Jared. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we got to You know what? After after we're done with this, we're going to exchange numbers and we're going to get uh, we're going to get a text thread going for the year because you'll see like now that you guys are living that Florida life and you have a past L.A. life, you, you've been removed from Boston. The amount of therapy that just having a Red Sox buddy uh, an accountability partner, someone to just vent to where it's like, can you fucking believe this happened? But then you're sitting next to someone that's like, I don't know what that means. Like, I don't what, what are you mad about? Like, what's it? What do you like? That makes you even angrier. So just having someone to vent to about the things that you care about most goes yeah. so far, so far for your mental health when you're a Bro. psychotic Red Sox fan. Your Twitter feed helps a lot of us. No question about <laughs> it. Like we have a younger brother too. And if I forward them a tweet in the summer, Nine out of 10 are from your feed, just whether it's fucking something about the Yankees or just, or just, it's like, but the thing is, you have to understand, it's not just that you were like passionate, it's your drive, but also you can perform on television, you're articulate, you know, you know, you're sharp. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, you have a lot of talent that helps your work, you know, your discipline, your motivation, where you're going, but it, it's just fascinating to see the way, like, no question, you make me feel better all day. <laughs> I, but I have to, I want to ask you a question though. Sure. You know, I, I don't look at, the Red Sox, and I'm not tapped in near to the way you are, but I don't look at them as a big market team in my mind the way I used to. Mm -hmm. And I guess when I look at Raphael Devers and I watch his at-bats, to me, if you're, if, if I have to, and I know with hindsight, but if I have to pick Betts or Devers, right? And that might be silly. You might say they should have kept both, whatever it is. But if I have to pick Betts or Devers, if I can only have one and I love me some Mookie, that Devers stick man, he reminds me of Ortiz so much. The plate discipline, mm -hmm. I think, I, 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 I think, I think he's, I think he's, I would take him every day and twice. I'm just curious. I know you might have thoughts beyond that, but am, am I nuts? I don't think that you're nuts. I think it's more like there's other ways to look at it. Like someone would say, like, we'll look at the wins above replacement. Like Mookie Betts is the better overall player. He's a better base runner. He's faster. He's the better defender. Like the offense, you're gonna take Devers. Um, but I, I think it's more so like, how, well, how do they age? Uh, Devers is younger. Like if you were to talk about these contracts now, it's like, are you getting more productive years out of Mookie moving forward or Devers moving forward? What do you value the most? Uh, so I think like most people would probably still pick Mookie right now, but that conversation could change where it's revisionist history. And you're like, well, Mookie didn't age so well in it's like, well, Devers is kind of built for this. And it's it's one of those things where I think the narrative is going to continuously evolve. Makes sense. Yeah, but John, I do miss Mookie. 
Yeah, I hear you. It's just fascinating to see all these guys like, you know, move, yeah, man, that one just still stinks, you know? And, <laughs> well, uh, one thing that I thought a lot about was Xander Bogarts versus Carlos Correa. Now, Carlos mm. Correa is a massive UFC fan, so there is a personal relationship there, mm. qualifier, but he's a championship player. And I'm not saying that Xander Bogarts isn't, right? But Carlos Correa lights up a fucking dugout, right? He's 6'5", lights up the middle of your infield, right? Intangibly speaking. I think that's a championship player. Now, I'm not sitting here talking about the medicals, right? But given the pre-existing relationship between Alex Cora and Carlos Correa, rest assured, I did everything I could to try to steer Carlos <laughs> to Boston. You know, um, mm -hmm. I understand they weren't going to give him $300 million, but I'm just telling you, like, that dude ain't done hoisting World Series trophies. I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I, I don't doubt that either. I think, I think once the second deal, the Mets deal fell through, I think that there were some sort of internal conversations in Boston where it's like, let's let's fuck around hmm. and see what we can get creative on this. Like if people are really looking at these medicals saying we're not going to go 10 plus years, 12, 13 years, whatever it was. Um, at that point, I still thought that the twins were the favorite. And I said that yeah. at the time. But there was a small part of me where it was like, well, there is the core connection. Um, the twins are kind of a pathetic franchise. Maybe there is some. Uh, intrigue with him being like, oh, I could be the shortstop in Boston and like play for Alex Cora. Like I and <clears throat> at the time, you kind of thought to yourself, like, all right, people are upset that the Red Sox aren't spending enough money, but what if they were finally in the mindset where they weren't caving to fans and spending money just because people were screaming at them to spend money? Because that's how you end up with Carl Crawford and Pablo Sandoval and fucking Hanley Ramirez. Like, that's how you end up with those guys. But I think a lot of us would have been like, Carlos Correa? Like, yeah, like, sign me up for that. We don't have a great relationship. I'll be, I'll be completely honest with you. Um, he owes me an apology, and I'm willing to hear it from him, but I don't think that he cares to give it to me. I feel like I want to play referee. Please do. I mean, I, I'm I'm willing to mend the fence, even though he's not coming to the Boston Red Sox. I feel like enough time has passed and I want to root for him like I want to be a fan of his. Yeah. But yeah. I think there there has to be some sort of refereeing going yeah. on between the two. of us. I will just say to one of our UFC producers is a massive San Diego Padres fan. And imagine finally oh. having an ownership group that has prioritized winning to such an extent. Now, say what Crazy. you want about the long term viability of these contracts. That's neither here nor there. Right. Bob Kraft is the best owner in professional sports. Right. When you have an owner who cares as much about the fans to try to produce one singular championship, right? Doesn't get any better than that. Now, I'm not saying the Padres are going to win one, right? But everything they're doing is to produce one singular championship and to beat the Dodgers. And, uh, you know, I'm happy for, uh, for that fan base because I do think there was a time when our ownership group, as ignorant as, ignorant as I may sound, would have stopped at nothing to, uh, to make sure that they won. But, you know, Red Sox won the World Series five years ago. They did. They did. <laughs> and they spent a lot of money to do that. They spent a lot of money after that to continue to do that. That was the the infamous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's now infamous. Chris Sale contract. They were like, hey, we gave up the prospects to get him here. Yeah. He delivered, won a championship. Now let's give him a fuck ton of money and let's <laughs> run it back. And they just, you know, didn't come close to doing that. <laughs> I will defend them, though, until I'm blue in the face. And perhaps it's ageism, right? Perhaps it's just me, you know, 45 years old and softening as a sports fan. But, uh, you know, I lean into the positive, right? I get way too excited when the Bruins trade for like Bertuzzi. But I am very excited to see this outfit. I really believe in the manager. Jay and I have long believed in chemistry and intangibles. And uh, 
I, I think this team will be close. So we'll see. That is, that is, uh, so I'll, I'll wrap with this because I think when we talk about Tyler's perspective and his, like, I, I've only known winning, I feel like you're huh. more, you're more likely to look at a team like this team in particular, because it is fascinating how one fan base can see the same team so differently. Tyler has only known winning. So he's very positive about this team. Me, I was on the line. Like I saw some of the shitty years. Like obviously I can't say I saw all 86. Like I I was lucky to to get to 2004 in my teens. Uh, But I saw some of the shitty years there that I do have memories of those. I was at Fenway Park when it was only one tenth full in the 90s. I was there for that. Uh, So I'm kind of seeing it as let's see. Like I'm not down on them. I'm not saying World Series or bust. Not that Tyler is, but I think he's a little bit higher than most. And I think that that's an age thing. So for you, the next generation above me that has seen a larger sample of shitty Red Sox baseball, how do you view the 2023 Boston Red Sox? Where are your, I guess, hopes and your expectations for this team? You want me to take it? (laughs) Well, you see, like a lot of us and Jared, like for real, a lot of us take some leads from you. And even last year, you know, a lot of positivity coming from you early on. I'm really optimistic. Like I don't pay much attention to the to what sort of the other teams are doing for me. Right. What John talked about, like chemistry and the intangibles to me, like playing for one another. And that's why I like Alex Cora so much. Even when you talk about like 2021, like how how fun was that? And correct me if I'm wrong. Last year. Even though there was an abysmal start, at one point they went on a tear and got like 10 games over 500 at one point, right? Correct. And even that, right? I knew it fell and it faded, but what frustrated me toward the end of last year was like it wasn't even it wasn't even like competitive, right? Mm-hmm. And so I do think this year will be different from that standpoint. But when I say I don't feel like we're a big market team, like with respect, all these like, you know, like Justin Turner, all right, like, like I, you know, that's it, that, that didn't used to necessarily be the Red Sox would just sort of take the guy that, 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 you know, they used to sort of be able to spend like that. And I, but I don't think it always, when's the Yankees last championship? 2009, you know, mm-hmm. they're not gonna, they're not gonna win it this year either. So, um, I'm very optimistic, but I also, it's such a long season. I think April is crucial. I felt this for my whole life. I think in terms of chemistry and tangibles, playing for each other, it's like, if you get out 10 games above 500 in April, you can go 500 for three months and still really be okay. So um, with, and to Jared, have they not lost? I mean, they're on fire. They no? have not lost. Huh. They have uh three tie. They're 10, 0 and three Tyler. 11, 11, 11, and three, the unbeaten Boston Red Sox. <laughs> All right. So my 2023 Red Sox outlook, I would just start by saying it is amazing how infrequently the New York Yankees have played in the World Series in this century. It really is outstanding. I hope it continues. I mean, they're never there. Forget winning the championship series. They never get there. What would you do if like Garrett Cole or like uh, Aaron Judge was like, hey, man, I'm a huge fan. He'd lick their fucking balls. Well, no, well, we had all right. No, so we had a situation where Andrew Benintendi. That uh, doesn't recently, count. Okay, you never. That mind. doesn't count. Uh, He's a well, Red to me, He was miserable in New York, and I, yes. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the Yankees made him an offer, and he was like, "I would if you double that, I would still take yeah. less to fucking <laughs> yeah. not have to play for you pieces yeah. of shit." Um, he hated so, it there. So. No, I mean, that would be an interesting navigation. But no, I mean, there was a time when Carlos Correa first reached out where I didn't have like a whole lot of warmth for the Houston Astros. You know, Um, I got absolutely vilified for wearing a Correa shirt to a weigh in. (laughs) 
right? Yeah. Won't make that mistake again. But yeah. in terms of my outlook for this team, right, it sort of dates back to the Trevor Story signing, right? You still got to get these guys to take your money. You know, it stood to reason that Trevor Story was going to go play for his hometown Texas Rangers, right? Yeah, so now he's injured and it's super unfortunate, right? You still need these guys to take your money. You still need Justin Turner to take your money. Somebody would have paid fucking Kenley Jansen. Now, I can't tell you how that's going to play out, right? But they still signed some guys and paid some guys. It's not as though their payroll is a bottom feeding thing like the Indians, you know. I'm excited, man. I do think that Jay and I are aligned on April prioritizing the first six weeks, but um, it's all systems go and we'll be doing our part in the sports book to to try to take down the Yankees every day. Okay, so here's the deal, right? You guys are going to end up in Boston. We're going to go to a game. All three of us. I, I'll even invite Tyler. Uh, oh, he, he's you. he's got a weird ass <laughs> sleeping schedule. He sleeps in like three minute intervals or whatever the fuck he does. Uh, right now, actually, it's interesting you mentioned Rogan. I just completely copied Rogan uh, in terms of the setup. Kind of like I, I I bought like a dining room kitchen table. I drilled the mic arms in there. We're in the process of putting like black brick on the walls and I've got a graffiti artist coming in that's oh, wow. going to spray paint the podcast logos on on both sides of the wall. So it's going to be a pretty sick setup. Sick. So I want to do a game. We'll go to Fenway together and then we cuz I mean people are going to fucking love this by the way. You guys were great like in terms of like you get MMA guys coming over to do some baseball talk. People like, I guarantee you people are going to look at it and be like that's not going to be baseball talk. Up <laughs> your ass. Up your That's ass. Right. It was right. fucking excellent baseball talk. So we're going to run it back during the regular season. Love All right. It. Well, we'll see what holds. I am going to be in Boston, I believe, Tuesday, June 6th at DraftKings. Okay. So I might be able to extend that trip on either end. And uh, hopefully we can make it happen. Hopefully they're home. And uh, yeah, this is exciting for us to get the chance to chop it up about uh, about the Red Sox. You know, I'm sort of, you know, I'm I'm thankful that I'm not totally embedded in it. I think I probably would have like assaulted Michael Felger at this point in time if I worked <laughs> in the city long enough. So I'm glad yeah. to have the removal, you know. Yeah. They're so they're not home. They're so on, on the fourth, if you came for that weekend, maybe. Okay. All right. The, the, the sixth is a Tuesday, but if you came that weekend prior, right. uh Tampa's in town. All right. So maybe we do a game on the fourth, maybe we podcast on the fifth. We'll figure it out. Done. Done deal. Fifth is an off day too. Pl- uh, perfect timing. Um, all right. Where can everyone find the podcast? So Jay does the show with Bilal Muhammad, and that is on the Anakin Florian podcast YouTube channel. But we're very excited that the Anakin Florian podcast that I've been doing with three-time UFC title challenger Kenny Florian for eight years is now under the DraftKings banner. And full episodes are live twice a week on the DraftKings YouTube channel, which is uh, which is very exciting. Awesome. John Anik, Jason Anik, thank you so much for uh, taking the time. This was a lot of fun. We're going to next time we do this, it's going to be in person. Can't wait. Thank you, buddy. Keep killing it. Thank you. Big thank you to John and Jason Anik. Um, That was fun. I, I, I honestly didn't know what to expect going in because I was like, they might like, I know that they're, they're, big Red Sox fans, but I don't know if they want to like talk more MMA, if they want to talk baseball, like where are we going to find the middle ground? That was a lot of fucking fun. Like, I think that they would be very entertaining if we went to a Red Sox game and then came back and did a podcast after and we were all just in the same room. Like, I feel like that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it wasn't even like along the lines of like, hey, you know, I used to be a Red Sox fan. I don't really know. It's like, no, Jared, no, can you it. tell me? Can you answer me this question? Like, it's like having fans or listeners of the podcast be like, all right, if I had a question or two to understand what's going on with the Red Sox, what would I ask? 
they brought those to you and you could see how divided they were on some of the answers, but also excited when you showed some optimism. I think, yeah, especially when we were talking about like, you know, is this team going to be worth anything this year when you're like, listen, something could happen. Like we're positive. We think something could break our way. You saw their eyes light up and like that's yeah. that old school Red Sox fan vibe. Yeah, I love that. Um, I will say the Nomar talk was very cool as someone who did not get to live that to see how excited they get just bringing it up. That goes to show what a legend and what he holds in a lot of your age bracket and their age bracket, that meaning. And I don't know. I relate it to what I feel about Dustin Pedroia, but I know even to that level, it's not comparable. Yeah. Um, it's just different. Dustin Pedroia is uh, like, I get that. Like <clears throat> you're trying to say that like your Nomar is Dustin Pedroia. But, but even like, still- I got to like, we got to see Pedroia, even though it ended wrongly because of Manny Machado, like, we didn't have to go through a trade of him, you know, in 04, all that different stuff where it completely flips everything Red Sox fans thought. We never went through that. And it's like no disrespect to Dustin Pedroia. And we know the MVP and the rookie of the year. Some of the heights Nomar reached were, you know, heights we haven't seen reach since. It's true. It's true. Um, all right. Uh, let's get some fucking news and notes in here, Tyler. What? Do, what? Uh, catch us up on all the news items from the last week since our last recording. Yeah, so I, I think for the vibes, we've been positive here. Mm-hmm. There was some not great stuff that happened that freaked everyone out. I think last time we recorded, we were coming in straight off the Connor Wong thing and we were like, oh, all right, like bad injury. Hopefully it plays out well. Well, it worked out. Core has been very high. Connor Wong's already back to hitting. Uh, so that's at least progressing where it needs to be. Will he be ready for opening day? We'll see. During that time, James Paxson, next guy, goes down. Now we see with Paxson, he's already playing catch again and he's throwing. There was hope he'd be on a mound by the end of this week. Seems like that's pushing it, but maybe early next week we can really start to have that conversation. Uh, on the Whitlock and Bayo front, both are going to be throwing live BPs on Saturday. So for all those panicking saying, you know, Brian Bayo, who knows what's going to end up happening with him, he's on track and shouldn't be too far behind. Garrett Whitlock's on track and doing PFPs now, so we can start to get excited about that. So everything's kind of progressing. Alberto Mondesi had a very good day the other day, Alex Cora said. Still, opening day is a little bit unlikely, but if you're looking at the Rays and the Yankees, you see they're dealing with injuries that are going to be you know, into May or later. It looks like the Red Sox, fingers crossed, should be extremely healthy as long as nothing else goes wrong that first week of April, second week at the very latest. So if you could keep your head afloat during that time, which I think they will be able to, and we'll get into it a little bit, but injury wise, everything's trending up. Even Justin Turner, who took a fucking baseball to the face, didn't fracture anything. Nope. Somehow 16 stitches. They're still hopeful he'll be ready for opening day, but he won't be touching a field for two weeks. So, you know, do the days in your head right now that gets you say March 22nd. He'd have about a week to get ready for opening day at that point. Definitely aggressive, but they're not ruling him out. I talked to him and he was like, yeah, I mean, like, uh, he's like the, the meds have worn off and like, I'm not really feeling too much pain. So I was like, oh, that's can, good. I, can I be honest with you? What I felt when Justin Turner got hit in the face? What? It was Chris Sale last year to me. And like, that sounds like dramatic, right? Accident where not even it was holy shit. The season might be over. Because I tell you right now, if Justin Turner, thank God he didn't, but if he had fractures and it was one of those things like 
let's we just got to see it's going to be months before we know things got to heal there's no way of replacing justin turner on this team at all there's no way you can get by if you think about it bobby dollar don't be disrespectful, please. That, you, that, don't fuck, you don't be disrespectful. I, I will be fucking disrespectful. You, you don't just, be disrespectful to Bobby Dalbeck. To Justin Turner. Who the fuck do you think you, you are? You just said that you can, there's no one that could replace Justin Turner on this roster, which we don't even have to have this conversation. He's going to be fine. But I said Bobby Dalbeck and second half of 2021, Bobby Dalbeck was one of the best fucking hitters in baseball. Don't you ever forget that. It was, I, I it was Bryce Harper and Bobby Dalbeck. In the second half of 2021, one guy won an MVP. The other guy got screwed. And what did Bobby Delvick do in 2022? That's not what I fucking said, did I? Well, I'm just saying there was Jake, a year in between. Jake, what season did I cite in that conversation? Uh, not 2022. Yeah. Well, it's, a, it, yeah. it's 2023, so let's grow up for a yeah. second. All right. But if you had lost Justin Turner, the guy who's hitting behind Devers all season long, Cora's already said it. I don't care where Devers is. Justin Turner will be behind him. He is the roots of your new hitting philosophy of working at bats, making contact, not striking out. And in all reality, he's supposed to be the leader in the clubhouse. We know Kike took the reins to start, but it'll hopefully be Justin Turner's team like the Darters were, and he can kind of push everyone in the right direction. If you lost him, you're fucked. And that's just talking a righty bat. You can't lose another righty bat. You You will not be able to survive. You know what time it is? What time is it? Can I guess? <clears throat> is this Coley? No. Yellow. Hey, why the fuck are you making such a big deal out of all the injuries? Why are you trying to freak fans <laughs> out? I'm not freaking anyone out. Why are you? Seven- you, uh, you literally wrote an article like, oh, Boston Red Sox may not win a game this season because all the horrible injuries. I don't think that that's what it said. That we're, we literally just read word it. Word for word. Word for word, bar for bar. Oh, uh, I just look. I respect that I'm now back on. Melican, can you hear me? Hi, Chris. Uh, I waved to you today at 985. I did not get a wave back. Did we make eye contact? I think we did, yeah. Why were you at 98.5? Talking to Tony Maz about uh, going on the baseball hour. They said they need some fresh blood. Oh. Wow. Ouch. Interesting. (laughs) No, there's, there's room at the end for everybody. There's what? There, there's room for everybody. That that's true. I'm only doing I'm only doing one day a week, I believe. Yeah. So, but no, Melican, I did wave, and it just did. That was it. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. I was talking to uh, everyone in the producers booth, and I was like, oh, like they were like, do you see Chris? Are you gonna go in there and say something? I was like, I hope he comes say something to me. I never saw the wave, but it does make me feel a little <laughs> bit better that you did. I did, of course. I gave it. I gave it a shot. Where are you right now? Uh, Some buffet. Where are you? I'm at Banners. Because uh, North Carolina against Virginia, you know, a big ATC tournament matchup. Okay. Um, I uh, feel like we've kind of gotten away from the main point of this phone call, which is why are you right, trying to cause widespread panic throughout the, the fan base? It's not. It's just I think if, if you projected a 26-man roster of your best 26, there are going to be you know, six to eight guys, if no one else gets hurt, that are not going to be on the opening day roster. I don't think that's good news. Can I, can I, I tell you something, Chris? Yeah. Uh, and for the listeners as well. Uh, what night was that? A couple nights ago. Sunday night, maybe? Chris Cotillo was doing a Twitter space with a Red Sox podcast. What was the name of the Red Sox podcast? I don't want to not give them a shout out. Lands, lands down Bound. Lands down Bound. And yeah. this motherfucker, I think he, he went on at like 8.30 
and I jumped in at like nine just to jokingly ask him a question. And then I ended up taking questions on this Twitter space for the next three hours, three hours. He fucking left at like nine thirty. He probably did an hour of Twitter spacing. I put in the length of Titanic in terms of Twitter spacing. That's crazy. I I committed to 30 minutes for that and did like an hour and a half. And then I thought at a certain point I had to start writing and you like you had it from there. You're doing such a good job that I was like, why why do I need to stay on here? Not only that, Chris Cotillo left because he had to write something. That was that was the night that I wrote my blog that came out today. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was up until I did, I did the Twitter space for the people, for the people for over three hours and then wrote a blog until two 30 in the morning. Chris's excuse was, I have to go because I have to write. Guess who had to write to me? Guess who put in three hours? Me. Guess who didn't put in three hours? Chris Cotillo. That's true. And you know what? I will say, I think the people on the space, I just did another podcast today and the guy was like, you know, it was weird because I was listening to that space and like you and Jared were cordial. I was like, you know what? That was fucking weird. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, like there were points where I was in the Twitter space where I was like making jokes that were fucking hilarious and no one laughed. And I was like, (laughs) then maybe this just isn't my crowd. Like I was saying some some comedic gold in there. And I was like, I am, I'm wasting these bullets. I'm wasting these bullets right now. Like that was a good line. No one would laugh, but it's fine. Yeah. Well, and we appreciate your service. All right. Go, uh, go enjoy your ice cream. Um, stop trying to make people worried about the injuries on this team. They're going to be fine. All right. Sounds good. Go heels. Bye. All right. Go. Bye, heels. What's the, what, what is that? Basketball? UNC? Yeah. Something, some kind of sport. Right? I, I okay. will say, I'm not buying that Chris waved to me. I'm going to put it out there like that right now. Yeah, he lies about shit like that. It, it, it just, uh, you could hear it in his tone a little bit. I think anybody who was listening would probably feel that way. But like, I purposely walked past yeah. the door a couple times to see if they would call me in just to be like, hey, hey, Tyler, like, uh-huh. say hi to Chris. And no one brought me in. So yeah. like, I don't know. It says something. Well, he probably, he, he looks like he could be like, take your son to work day like that. And no one's like looking at Chris being like, Oh, like there's a prominent journalist in the city. It, it did look that way. Almost like they were having a father son lunch. Cause the door was closed and they had the TV on. It was like, you know, Oh, <laughs> yeah. put the TV on for your son. So he's not, you know, talking too much or whatever it may be. But you know, mm-hmm. I was doing work. I was actually at work. So like no time for dilly dally. Yeah. Yeah. Are you freaked Good out news. about the injuries, Jared? No. Thank you. Let's go Red Sox. Let's, Let's go, go Red Sox. Sox. Let's, Let's go, go Red Sox. Sox. No Red Sox. <laughs> I can't even freak out about the Trevor Story stuff first off cuz like the roster at this point no, has been Kike's somewhat my fixed up. Yes, but it's like counting Next him as like up. oh, things that went wrong. We've already understood like that's just what it is. I think you got to count things that have started since spring training started. No one's out for a significant amount of time. There's no long-term injuries no. here. Why would I freak out? And I'm like, happy that they're being careful with guys. Th- that's how it should be, right? So you're not risking something further happening here, especially with a James Paxson or whatever it may be. Brian Bale, like, dude, when he got forearm tightness, I was like, deep down, all right, Tommy John surgery. And knock on wood, that doesn't happen. But like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't please, love that. 
it, it was terrifying. Like that's the worst thing. And anyone Is that's he like throwing breaking fans, pitches yet? Uh, he's throwing the live BP on Saturday, so I believe so. Uh, because he's throwing full 100% bullpens, so he should be flashing it. I'm guessing they wouldn't throw him out against hitters if he hasn't been working on his breaking ball at all. Um, so right. I would say yes. That's the only thing that makes sense. But yeah, as a Yankees fan, you're not fucking freaked out about Carlos Rodon right now. You're terrified. So if it takes a week, yeah, if it takes a week or two or whatever it is for those guys to get right, cool. I'm ready to ride with Tanner Houck and Cutter Crawford in my rotation. And I'm not going to think twice. You know why? Because the first three series of the season are the Orioles, the Pirates and the Tigers. No excuses. None. You should clean up against I I don't want to be. I don't want like speaking of like inducing panic for no reason. Um, I don't want to bring this up right now, but I feel like it would be disingenuous if I didn't bring it up uh, after it was brought to my attention when we were doing the... Um, I still have Red Sox season tickets, by the way. Uh, mm. So we were doing the draft and it was... I was looking at a particular part of the schedule and I was like, wait a second, What? Fast forward to August. August. That's far away. On August 18th, you go to the Bronx for three, Houston for four, then the Dodgers come here for three, and then the Astros come here for three to finish out the month. And you only have three off days in the entire month. That's scary. That's not, that's wrong. That is a fucking gauntlet. Well, then you add on to the fact that at that point, even if things go well, Chris Sale will probably be running on fumes a little bit. James Paxson will be running on fumes a little bit. Garrett Whitlock, like you're going to be pushing these guys at this point against some terrifying lineups. I'm going to be honest. The Dodgers don't terrify me right now. Those are definitely that it though. All of those games, there's no off days. That is 13 straight games, 13 straight games. Yankees, 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 Astros, 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 Dodgers, 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 Astros, Astros, Astros. That's right. That is not fun. And you also open the month playing. You're in Seattle. So you're coming back from the West Coast to start the month. Then you get the off day. Then you play the Blue Jays for three. So, yeah, August. When by the time that we get to August, the narrative of this podcast is going to become just survive August. That's just it. August is a fucking minefield. You gotta survive August. You can absorb some blows in there. You gotta come out on the other side of August, not out of it. Because what comes after August? September. And that's crunch time, Tyler. You can't be Thank limping you. into August. I mean, you can't be lim- limping into September where it's like, damn, we just... We just had a 315 winning percentage in the month of of August. And now we're just going to try and do a full court press to try and get into the playoffs here. Well, yeah, that is scary. You do look at it. There is a nice stretch before the Yankees, the Astros, Dodgers and Astros again, where you get four against the Royals, three against the Tigers and three against the Nationals. But those are going to feel like must win games. Like it's going to feel like you need to dominate those series so you can stay afloat. But that will put more attention on the trade deadline. Will this be possibly if Trevor Story maybe takes a little bit longer than anticipated? Are we looking at him being the boost during this month? We know at the trade deadline, they're not going to go bananas, but scary. But I'm, I'm not going to worry about that stuff. Don't it's worry so about it right far now. ahead. It's so far ahead. The Red Sox could be 23 games 
up <laughs> in the division by then. What, what happens if the Red Sox don't lose another game? <laughs> like, they, might, they haven't lost a game yet this year. They might have games to give by then. So like, let's not let's not get crazy and think that they're going to be in a vulnerable position going into the month of August. They could be in a position of power going into the month of August. These injuries keep racking up in the AL East. That's true. Mm. Everyone out here getting hurt. So we'll see what happens. But I just I, I felt like it would have been disingenuous of me to have seen that stand jump out to me on the schedule recently and uh, not say something. If you see something, say something, Tyler. Ooh, that's another parenting tip. Mm-hmm. I will say those are my favorite tweets right now. People saying the impact you've had on their children. Uh-huh. You really <laughs> yeah. are raising the next generation. Yeah. Thank you. Also, I mean, don't pout, figure it out is, is something that doesn't just apply to Tyler when he's pouting. It applies to children. It does make me question, am I, am I a man child of some sort that I need to be spoken to like this? Mm-hmm. Yes, that I'm a man child or yes, yes. just like you're listening Both. to me. Okay. Uh, it, hey. Do you disagree? Do you disagree? No. Does your I girlfriend listen to this do. podcast anytime or no? She does. Every episode she, or no? Uh, I'd say when she knows she's spoken about. So like she's oh, getting okay. tweets from listeners sometimes when I've talked about like the not touching thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, like we had to sit down and have a conversation about that. So let me ask you this. If she were to listen to the podcast, would she agree with me on some of these points or would she be like, he's, 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 He's bullying you. Or would oh, she no. Like, she'd you know be like, you're spitting. <laughs> she'd she, she completely take your side. I'm a fucking child. Oh, hell yeah. She's like, this kid can't do his laundry. Like, well, I can't either. Oh, see, so we relate on that. We get a team uh, for that. Yeah, I don't cook much. Me neither. You know what I mean? I, I, I lack those skills in life right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake saw. Like, I feel like when we had the event, Jake saw me and Martha's relationship a good amount. because I did know, too. There was handling, right? You saw, yes, like, I yeah. kind of needed a leash a little bit. Yeah, yeah, um, I'd say throughout life, I need to, there's a little bit of a leash on me. It's okay. Yeah. I can run a little while and get crazy. Yeah. But, you know, it's good to keep me under wraps. You know what else you need? I'm a dog. You are a dog. What? You need the Xfinity 10G network is what you need. You're so right. Yeah. And I'm going to wait <laughs> for Jake to spit some bars here. Please spare me, Jake. Please. Tyler, you know I'm not going to spare you, but you know who is going to spare you? Xfinity 10G. Listen, there's so much basketball to watch right now, it's crazy. And like a ball with a funky spin, it can be hard to get a handle on it all. Now you can stay on top of all the madness with the Xfinity 10G network. With Xfinity 10G, you can power an entire house full of devices with ultra-low lag. Ultra-low lag, Tyler. So you and everyone you know can stream every single game at the same time and never miss a shot. Or you can be on the podcast and still look up your little nerd stats at the same time without your computer exploding. And if you're on the go, Xfinity will still be right there with the assist with millions of Wi-Fi hotspots. Hallelujah. Introducing the next generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash 10G. Um, thank you, Jake. Thank about- you, Jake. Yeah, what, what, what? What? I want to I'm dying to talk about Chris Sale. Yeah, let's talk That's about all I talk about. It's two two scoreless. Uh fastball. On the first strikeout, it hit 96. He was sitting 93-95, but he hit 96 with the first punchy. Second punchy, fucking shh, this little slide piece sneaking in there. Uh, looked great. Probably felt great. You could see the smile on his face coming off the mound in the second. 
and uh, was, I believe, the first to grab a towel when JT got smoked in the face there. So you're talking about team chemistry vibes through the roof. You're talking about velocity through the roof. We're talking about feeling good coming off the mound. Super positive. Super positive. I was shocked that he hit 96. Like legit jaw on the table. Shocked. You have to think about it. This dude has been waiting for years to just get the fuck out there and like how he hasn't had a normal spring training in three years. That's even more reason why I was like, he's going to come out here and it's going to be just mechanics. It's like, just get by. It doesn't matter what the gun looks like. And whenever they talked about the live BPs, it's like, he's not missing bats with the fastball. Um, You know, we're not worried about velocity. Let's that's not the focus right now. Usually when you hear those things, it's like, all right, he's going to come out here and it's going to look like Kluber's first start where he's a couple ticks below where he needs to be. No, I'm seeing you hit 96 and you're just starting like you're not even fully stretched out. And maybe that was adrenaline and some of these other things. But seeing Chris Sale still have that, seeing him not be scared to use his changeup, mm. that was big to me, too. We never saw that in 2021. And when he did try, it was getting smacked around. So yeah. that looked that version of Chris Sale looked better than I think any version I ever saw of him in 2021. And that's your first spring training start. I'd be smiling like Chris Sale walking off the mound, too. I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, I think. I I don't know what the over under is for Chris Sale's innings. I don't know. I don't know if that it's probably starts or something that you can place a bet on. Um, I just want him to be healthy. I just want them to be healthy. I I want them, and I know that they will, that they will just manage this guy. And they he's been in the organization since 2017. They know how to handle him. Um, obviously, the injury thing sucks, but he got his surgery, and every other injury since then has nothing to do with, like, let's manage his workload. Like, let's just keep him off a bicycle and out of the way of fucking screaming line drives. Like, it's... It's not like a manager's workload thing when we talk about the injuries that have derailed Chris Sale over the last year. So um, I'm just really rooting for the guy. It made me happy to see him happy coming off the mound because I made this point before. If you're one of the most competitive individuals on planet Earth playing a professional sport and you've gotten that taken away from you immediately after like reaching the pinnacle of your sport and you have nowhere for that competitive energy to go. And every time that you see the light at the end of the tunnel, but is really just a train coming your way, the headlights of the train, that sucks. So finally, he is at a point where he's having a normal spring training. He feels good. Ball's coming out hot. And opening day is right around the corner. And he will be your opening day starter. And we'll see where it goes from there. I am cautiously optimistic about Chris Sale rooting for the guy. I think it would be a great story for Chris Sale to be. Um, I don't think we're ever going to see 2017 Chris Sale again, but 2018 Chris Sale's in there somewhere. Let's get that guy over here. That's it. And like just hearing him talk and he mentioned it with Bradford where his mind's at. And he was like, you know, I'm at the point now where it's like, it can't it can't get any worse. So like, fuck it. He's like, and for all those people that doubt me or have made jokes about me or shit on me, stay on your side. 
like Chris Sale's out here telling you, hey, you talk shit about me. You make fun of me. Uh, you know, you think I'm a loser, the biggest bust in, you know, Red Sox history. Fuck you. Watch what I'm going to go out and do this year. Um, and he talked about it. It was like, oh, you know, baseball was my favorite toy and my favorite toy has been taken again and again and again. He's like, I don't know what I have left after this Red Sox contract, but the next two years, this year and next year, that's all I know I have. So I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to give everything I have. I'm going to take it in and enjoy it even more than maybe I did before because my appreciation of it has changed. But that's what I saw from Chris Sale out there. It was just a feeling of, hey, nothing fucking went crazy this time. I'm not walking off with a broken finger. The stuff looks good. My mechanics, like first time on a mound in a game and he looks that good. I would have never expected that. Um, and you know, that's not saying he's going to be an ace or anything like that, but to come out of your first spring start, we saw James Paxson tweaks a hamstring and look at how the whole picture on that changes. Everyone gets down on it again. You see Chris sale comes out pumping heat like that. Everybody's hyped. Even the haters were hyped. Nobody could deny it except Maz. Maz was the one person who wasn't impressed, but I think anyone who had questions about the Red Sox and still do, that was arguably the biggest boost of hope we've had since spring training started. And there's been plenty of reasons to be positive. That's our biggest one so far. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, my final thought. Tyler had my back big time today on 98.5 of the Sports Hub. Thank you. And Hardy, who I love, by the way. The man. The absolute man. I love Hardy. Uh, one of the best senses of humor in sports media history. Uh, come on, Hardy. You're going to tell me that you think that I think that Tapia has a chance of starting in this outfield? You have to. I mean, I, me and Hardy go back probably seven years now. You know my sense of humor. It's tongue in cheek. Clearly, I'm just driving up the positivity stock. That's all I'm doing. I'm pumping the tires. That's what I do. Right, Dan Shaughnessy? I'm just a fucking mascot. That's all I am out here. <clears throat> that, But he's smarter than that. He's smarter than that to know. Clearly, I don't think that Tapia is threatening uh, anyone for a starting job in the Red Sox outfield. Like, come on. Come on. No. Is there a little more credit than that? Hey, listen, I love Hardy, and I can tell you, Hardy is a master in radio where he knew the angle I was going to take. I was riled <laughs> up about Shaughnessy when I fucking walked in and how I texted you, Jared. You br- I know you brought it up during the interview. Mm-hmm. I was fired up after I read that thing because yeah. it was such fucking bullshit. But Hardy <laughs> offering the other perspective, you know, trying to see, you know, he Hardy's never going to, you know, the whole thing of radio is all right. Well, you got your take. Let me be devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. And I thought Hardy did a good job. But at the end of the day, even at the end of the conversation, it's like, Dude, anybody who follows you, anyone who's yeah. listened to this podcast, yeah. we've talked about every frigging concern there is with the Red Sox this year. We've talked about whether Yoshida isn't what the Red Sox hope Yoshida is and all those executives are right. We've talked about what happens if Duvall just strikes out a million times and his body can't handle center field. If Verdugo doesn't become, you know, another take another step forward this year and the Red Sox feel the way they did at the end of last year, this year about him. Uh, Rob Refsheiner, we all love Rob Refsheiner. He's a platoon bat. But recognizing it's like Dan Shaughnessy, John Tomasi, that whole crew was so negative. 
from the moment spring training started for the Red Sox saying nobody gives a fuck about this team. Nobody's interested. It's a bunch of veterans. They're all washed up. They're the wannabe Dodgers. Chris Gasper, they're a quadruple A roster, whatever it may be. The whole reason the vibe started and I think the teams run with it is because, hey, we were just saying, look at the other side of the coin. Just realize, hey, we can say everything that could go wrong. What about the other side where if things go right? Can we just recognize that? And you have Dan Shaughnessy getting on his soapbox, fucking crying. Oh, I can't be negative about the Red Sox. Why? Everybody has to be positive. Shut the fuck up. Honestly, shut the fuck up. You started this way with all this negativity and we just said, hear out the positive side. Now Mm -hmm. you're trying to flip it all the way around because why? John Tomasi can't even run away from it and has to say, yeah, the vibes are pretty good down here right now. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. It's classic Shaughnessy trying to flip the script on people. And it's like, first off, the way he talked about you, it's like hyping you the fuck up and then trying to like dunk on you at the same time. I like Shaughnessy. He got ratioed on Twitter so fucking bad. Can someone go look at Twitter right now? But it's just, dude, don't act like you're the one doing something revolutionary here and saying, look at both sides. I think that's all we've tried to do. And that's really the roots of the whole vibes thing in the first place. Yeah, I'm going to get Dan on the podcast uh, probably opening week at some point just to just to hash it out. Um, But I like Dan They're They're obviously. So what Dan did right there is what like P-Dabe doesn't have the balls to do. P-Dabe is a fucking pussy. Dan will just like be like, yeah, all right, you fucking you want to be like Mr. Fucking Red Sox guy. All right, well, fuck you. I'm going to I'm going to like shred you in the newspaper. That's awesome. That's That's great. Like we literally texted about it after and I shit on him. Like I, I, <laughs> so but uh, like, just to give you some uh, behind the scenes of, cause everyone's like, damn man, fucking, <laughs> fuck Dan Sean to see that piece of shit. And like, you know, he doesn't respect you, bro. So I said, um, <laughs> he, he texted me. He said, glad you like it. Uh, will I see you at Fenway South today? And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm not there yet. Um, so I said, uh, I'll see you back up here opening day and we can do a podcast in the dugout and you can tell me about how bad they're going to be this year. And he said, anytime. And I said, is that something you have to ask permission for? Or do you have enough clout over there after 80 years of service that you can do what you want? And he <laughs> said, the latter. And I said, perfect. So, I mean, Dan, like, obviously, if you're a Boston sports fan, you know who Dan Shaughnessy is and he's a miserable fuck. And he, he obviously takes every negative angle that he can. But I think he at least respects what we do here, he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand it. It's not how his brain is wired. But like on the same token, uh, like whenever someone like describes like, you know, that they their disdain for, for Dan Shaughnessy, I'm like, but his job isn't to be right. His job isn't to make sense. His job is to get people to read his columns. And when he pisses everyone off, he gets people to read his columns. So that's why he's great. You don't have to like him. I don't think he's in the business to be liked. He's in the business to put eyeballs on the product. And he does that. Arguably, besides like Felger, I mean, he's, he's one of the best. He's one of the best of all time. Uh, so for me, it was almost an honor to be uh, in, the, in the same sentence. He, he, was giving, he called me likable. He said, uh, we're running an empire over here. You're fucking right we are, Dan. You're right but we do it in a positive way. And uh, I will not apologize for that. I think it's why we're successful is because 
You have traditional media like the Dan Shaughnessy's of the world, like the sports radios of the world. Not everyone, but some people in sports radio choose the negative route and fans get sick and tired of it. And they're like, where are the people that actually like this team? Where can we listen to people talk about the team that actually like the team and think that some positive things can happen? Oh, Jared, Tyler, Jake. That's great. Let's go over here. Pete, Coley, Steve, Joey. They go over there and they, they listen to that. And uh, there's room for both. And I've been saying that since the very beginning. Uh, So I just wanted to just want to say that about Dan, because I like Dan. And I think deep down, Dan likes me, too. So it was just a very funny column to to wake literally to wake up to. That is I opened my eyes and had this text message from Tyler. And he said, you made him cry with a link to a Boston Globe article. And I swear to you. I started reading it and I I thought it was Pete Abe that wrote it. I thought he was crying about like us talking about the bathroom thing on the podcast. And I'm like reading. I was like, what Twitter dust up did I have with Pete? I was like, we haven't interacted in years. And I was like, oh, it's Shaughnessy. Oh, oh, okay. So I went from like, ah, fuck. Is this going to be one of those? Like he's like crying like, you know, oh, people bully me and I can't even piss at work i thought it was gonna be <laughs> one of those where like if if like the context was lost in the backstory that people were gonna be coming from my head that day i was like fuck here we go uh but then it was dan and i was like oh this is awesome like this is funny so and like when it comes to shaughnessy and i like i go off what i just did is exactly why like you said he does what he does it, mm-hmm. it's to rile people up and he's the best you know, for and for people like i've gotten messages before it's like well, why are you disrespectful to Dan? I'm not. Dude, Dan has accomplished a million times more than anything I've ever even touched. Um, he's a legend and he's good at pissing people off. He pisses me off. I've gone on <laughs> he's more gonna piss off. He pisses me okay. off all the time. Yeah. I've gone on more rants on this podcast, on radio. When I was an intern on Zolak and Bertrand, he had a weekly spot on Zolak and Bertrand. So he'd come in and just spit his takes and I'd be sitting in the back angry because like no one wants to listen to the fucking intern talk. Um so, yeah, it, he hit it there. I just don't give me this whole thing where you're so, you know, I just want to be able to express the negativity that could happen with this team. For fuck's sakes, we've done that all off season. We're just asking you to see some of the positivity. And even in that article, he would not address the positivity. He mm-hmm. actually, for the first time, said something positive about Tristan Cassis, which fucking congratulations. You're going to have a lot more to say on that, Dan. Mm-hmm. But man, I think it would be a blast to have him on this podcast because. He doesn't give a fuck. He's going to say what he wants to say. And at the end of the day, that's the game. Yep. He's been on before. And Jared, I know, you know, I'm not asking you to tell this story, but as you've told me in the past, like when I've asked, oh, what is he like? It's always positive. It's yeah. always like he's just someone he like you said, he may not understand it. We're a younger generation. We're doing different stuff, but he sees it works. He's going to tip his cap to it. Doesn't mean he agrees with it, but he's going to tip his cap. Yeah. Two things about Dan Shaughnessy. The first one was we got into a spat in 2016, I want to say, around there. And it might have been, I think it was 16 or 17, because I was doing NBC Sports Boston. And he was on Zolak and Bertrand. And I had some sort of like news tidbit uh, in a blog. And then uh, Zoe and Beetle were talking about me on the show. And Dan was like, why do we care what he has to think? Like, he's not in the clubhouse. And then they were like, ooh, but like, you know, he talks to the players, you know, like he had like he's connected over there. And Dan was like, yeah, but he's not in the clubhouse. 
And then I like wrote a blog about it, just like ethered him because I knew it was he's he's low hanging fruit. Like if you want to get a cheap pop from the crowd, you shit on Dan Shaughnessy and everyone's like, yeah. So it was a cheap pop blog that I wrote and uh, he ended up reaching out and he was like, what the what's your availability? Like, let's grab dinner. And I was like, oh, OK. Like he so we he, he took me out to dinner uh, in the uh, same plaza that the old NBC Sports Boston studio was in. And he just was like, let me get to know this guy. Like, what's what's your deal? Like, who are you as a person? Who are you as a human being? So we grabbed dinner and like he basically conducted an interview for a story that he never wrote. He was just getting information about who I am as a guy and, and what makes me tick and what it is that I do. So I've always had so much respect for Dan for doing that because in an industry, especially in a market where I feel like I get side eyed a lot, which I no longer give a fuck about. It used to bother me a lot when I was like, why am I not accepted in the fucking Red Sox media circle? If you don't like me, I don't give a fuck. Like, I do not give a flying fuck because, again, I've said this before. Look at the scoreboard. It's a blowout. Uh, I have respect for Dan and I have respect, so much respect for Steve Buckley. Steve Buckley was the first to be like, what's the deal with this Carabas kid? And he's been a great friend and a mentor to me ever since. Uh, I could, he's a guy that if I'm just in the neighborhood, I'll just call him up and be like, hey, I'm in the neighborhood. I'm coming by. And I'll just fucking go sit on <laughs> the couch and like talk to Buck for like four fucking hours and like play with his dogs. Buck's the man. Um, to a lesser extent, Dan took the time to be like, let me figure this guy out and see what he's about. Whereas... I think of a lot of other media members past judgment. They've since come around. Like I'm friendly with a vast majority of them, a vast majority of them. Um, but again, like you still have the, the P Dave's of the world that want to die on that hill. And <clears throat> he's just a piece of shit human being. But uh, the other thing with Dan was what was the other fucking point? Uh, I can't remember now. I'm drawing a blank. The story you just told me was the story I was referring to. Yeah. Hmm. There Recent? Was... Oh, oh. So um, the other thing with Dan is that when he gets young people that come to him and are like, hey, how do you break into the industry? Like, I want to, you know, be like a Red Sox writer or whatever. He won't even answer. Like, he won't even give his advice. He'll just be like, contact Jared. Because I don't know how to make it work in today's media world like it's not how i broke in anymore so he yeah like he'll if any like young person comes to him and is like oh like do you have any advice he'd be like my advice is talk to jared because i can't i can't figure it out like how to do it in today's world um any jake's takes now that tyler's uh fucking internet dropped out jake's takes I just wanted to shout out Anik Brothers again. Um, yeah, I feel like that's honestly going to be a recurring guest situation. Um, they, I had no idea. Their producer reached out to me and was like, "Hey, let's get these guys on the show. They're uh, just big Boston sports fans, and it seemed like an awesome fit." So, shout out those guys. Yeah, they were awesome. They were great. I think that would be really cool to get them uh, at the studio here. I think people are going to really like the. Uh, I didn't. Did I say on the air, Jake, what I'm doing there? Did I say that on the air or no? 
I don't think so. Okay. I'm going to save it. I'm going to save what, what the studio is going to look like. I didn't tell what Tyler, you're looking at me like you don't know. I think you did say it. I could be I, wrong, but I, th- I thought you broke down. I'm not going to say it right now in case we haven't said it. But what you told me the other day when we were texting about the design, how you're going about it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you did say it to them. I don't know. I No, because whatever, whatever I'm doing, I decided on in between recordings. Oh, okay. Yeah. So whatever I'm doing in there, I decided on like two days ago. So I don't know if I said it on baseball's dead. Oh, no, no, no. That's not what I'm talking. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I thought you were talking about the interview we just did. No, I'm talking about what we're, uh, what the studio is going to look like. Okay. So that's what I missed when my internet yeah. dropped out. Okay. I'm an idiot. You're an idiot. It's okay. Um, Tyler, any final thoughts? Trying to think. Uh, nothing. My final thought Wyatt Mills looks nasty as fuck. And so did Jolie Rodriguez. Yeah, we love Jolie's. Strike out the side. Jolie's Rodriguez. As Alice Cora said, elite stuff. Ooh. What's the velo? Um, I didn't get it. I didn't see the exact number, but it was popping. He, he looked like he was working mid 90s. Okay. All right, we're getting closer, getting closer to opening day, which means we're getting closer to two podcast episodes a week. Uh, I see you. I hear you. I saw the Reddit thread. You guys want guests. I know some people were like, you know, um, we kind of like when they just talk about the socks and we don't need or want guests, but um, we'll definitely get them if we think that they bring value. I mean, it's I'm not going to throw a guest out there just to throw a guest out there. Um, like I said before, I responded in the Reddit thread to say like, you know, I think that some podcasts will use guests as a crutch where it's like, Oh, we got nothing else to talk about. So let's just fucking throw a guest out there. I feel like we've done two plus hour podcasts recently because there's been so much to talk about with the Red Sox. And I don't want to miss out on Sox talk because, you know, we're just going to throw out like a random nostalgia interview. Like, I just don't want to do that. But um, if there are guests like Lou, like when we did the podcast with Lou, that was fucking great because it's like we're talking yeah. about the socks now. We're talking about funny stories. There's people that can bring something to the table, like the Anik brothers. Were like that was fucking great. Like I, I really, really, really enjoyed that conversation. I asked them before we started, how much time do you got? They were like about an hour, and I, I looked up like that. Hour flew by. So, um, we hear you. Uh, if you want guests, we can do that. Uh, I feel like you're never going to make everyone happy. Like there's definitely people that just come here for Red Sox talk. They don't need the guests. And then there's people who are like, where are the fucking guests? Uh, people are saying that we can't like, no, no, no. I just haven't asked. I, I haven't, I haven't reached out. I, I'm waiting more so to get to opening day. Like I met, I met a lot of the newer guys uh, down in spring training, planted that seed. Um, like I'm talking to like Turner now, like I'm friendlier with Kike now. Uh, so those are guys that I feel like we can target for podcast interviews. And yes, Tyler. You mentioned what a couple of weeks ago, like Tanner Houck, maybe uh, Tanner Houck, at yeah. some point, right? Yeah, I, I, I saw him a little bit when we I and mean, there's there's pretty much like, I don't know, like I, in my head, I was like, damn, all my guys are gone. Like, who the fuck are we going to get on the podcast? And then you look up and I'm like, wait, I've still I still know everyone on the team <laughs> pretty much like even like some of the newer guys. Like Turner, I, I feel like, you know, we we kind of became like fast friends down in spring training too. Like he I was in the I was in the dugout and 
he walked in, like walked down, like towards the end of the dugout where I was standing. And I was like, Hey man, Jared, nice to meet you. And he's like, I, I know who you are. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, which he didn't answer. But, uh, we've since, we've since, uh, communicated and he's, he's been cool as fuck. So I feel like that's someone that we could definitely get on the podcast. I will say, and since you and Kike have bonded, I feel like that is the best thing you could do to win over Justin Turner. Like if Kike is putting his arm around you, how is Justin Turner not going to put his arm around you? Right. They're roommates. Ooh. Mm-hmm. They're roommates. Dude, that sounds good for the vibes. Mm-hmm. Kikaso. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just looking at the list, I don't know that there was anyone on it where I was like, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know that we're going to be or maybe there's one. Are, are there any interviews now that we're three weeks from the season? We got two episodes before we actually start that you're like, I wish we did that. We didn't end up doing or just, you know, it didn't line up over the offseason or. Yeah, just over the offseason where you're like, oh, no, that was someone I wanted to have on. But we didn't, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't happen. Um. I would have liked to have done the JD farewell one because I think that that has an expiration date. Like, I think once the season starts, he's probably not going to want to reflect on his Red Sox days once he's officially begun his Dodgers days. Um, so that's probably the one if if uh, I had one at all. But as far as like, I'm looking at this. Uh, this shout out to JMac950. On the Section 10 Reddit page, wish list of guests for 2023. Casas, doable. Story, doable. Like These are all people that I've already interviewed. Casas, Story, Devers. Devers would be great. I don't know that we can pull it off because of the language barrier, but it would be cool. Kike, doable. Duran, doable. Lou, doable. Doogie. Uh, I've interviewed him twice, so I think it's doable. It's just he's very elusive. I don't see him around. He's not... He's not out and about like when I'm in the dugout, when I'm uh, at batting practice, you don't really ever see him. So he's getting his work done where, you know, eyeballs are not around. So I, 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 we don't like I don't have his number. We don't follow each other on Instagram. So it's just it's hard to, to nail that one down. Obviously, I would love to have Alex Verdugo on the podcast, but I think I interviewed him for. Do we have him on Section 10? Yeah, had to have been. Yeah, because I think Steve was part of the, the conversation. I think I, I interviewed him for starting nine as part of his all-star push in 2021. That might make sense. Yeah. And then I think we also mm. had him on section 10 as well. So um, sale. Haven't done that one since 2019. But it's still doable. Now, this might be a dumb question. I've never even asked you this on, off air. But when you look at a lot of these guys that you've done interviews with, mm-hmm. you don't look at it as a fresh interview with the podcast being rebranded. Now you look at it as like, we've no, done we've done you. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be running it back. It won't be like a, a repackaging or anything. It's going to have to be the next, you know, let's talk about what's happened since then, you know, other topics. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think a, a lot of the listeners, I think, take it from another angle sometimes where they're like, Oh, well, why don't you run this one back or run this one back? It's like, well, you can only have the same conversation so many times, right? Yeah. And I think I think a lot of the listeners of this podcast are 
like OGs. Like I think a lot of people yeah. listen are like, I've been listening since 2018. I've been listening since fucking 2016. Like it goes back that far. Um, I just saw like we we uh, what was it March 5th maybe was was eight years since the launch of Section 10. Eight fucking years. That's, That's crazy. But I remember walking home from high school and listening to that first episode. And I was like, <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. Dude, I, junior year of high school, I, I remember I was walking home, bumping that shit. And I was like, oh, like I had an iPhone 4 at the time. Like, an iPhone like, finally. 4. Dude, at that time, all I used to listen to was uh, ESPN Radio or ESPN. They had like podcasts you could download. So I was listening to that, which was like first take, uh, his and hers, like all this shit. I listened to a lot of Effectively Wild at that time um, from baseball perspectives. But when you dropped that, I was like, finally. This is the Red Sox podcast I can listen to. Mm. And not bad. Not, not bad. bad. Eight years later. Then you ended up on it. You ended up here, baby. on it. And uh, I think when we had that, uh, when I went on ITM with Steve and Joey, I can't remember if it was on the air or off the air, but we were talking about like the naming rights thing. And I think Steve was like, you know, like he's like selfishly, like, I'm kind of glad that it's not called Section 10. Like, Section 10 kind of, like, dies with us. But the way that I see it is if I can get the naming rights back, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to, like, make it Section 10 just because it's like, oh, that's a name that people recognize. And it's good for, like, marketing and, like, fan recognition and more downloads. I'm doing it because the whole... When I started Section 10, that's where I fucking sit. It's It's my viewpoint of the team like when i was a kid i started section setting i started sitting in section 10 when i was nine so for the longest time that's the only viewpoint of the red Sox that i ever had so the concept in the beginning was like like i'm always gonna be here i've been on every single episode of section 10 and now name redacted i'm the only one that's been on every single episode so it's almost like I'm sitting in section 10 and it's who am I bringing to the game today? Steve came to a lot of games. Coley came to a lot of games. Now Jake comes to a lot of games and now Tyler comes to a lot of games. But at the end of the day, who's been at every game? That's me. So if I had the opportunity to call it section 10 again, just because it's, it's, different, it's a different cast, it's a different group, it's different people. <clears throat> yeah, I would do it. I would, I would do it because... That was like Pete again, another guy. It's like Pete's been been here a fuck ton. And like these are all people that I would bring to games with me. So that's that's how I see it. And that's why I wouldn't be like, you know what? Section 10 should die with like that group. It's like, no, sometimes like everyone's got that friend that they call up when they get tickets. And it's like, well, what if that person can't go? There's someone else that you call and you're still going to go to the game. That's that's how I see it. Um Whitlock, I maybe I don't know. He's he's very quiet, but I would say like he's the only maybe. Everyone else has been like a pretty much yes. Alfaro, uh, I kind of met him a little bit. Um, I don't know if his English is great. I haven't heard him talk a lot, so um, that's a maybe. Bob, love Bob. Bob's a man. Like, how good of a guy is Bob? just a genuine amazing person and i wish more people knew that 
I wish more people knew how great of a dude Bobby Dahlbeck is. Uh, Joe Lee's. I would love to get him on. Did not get the chance His to meet him. Obsession was electric. Yeah, would love to get him on. Kenley didn't get the chance to meet him. He was always on the move. Every time I saw him, he was either throwing a hitters or he was walking somewhere. He was never parked. He was never just someone that you could approach. He was always on the move. Um, Heim and or Cora, we could run those back as well. Uh, Pedroia. His first interview is outstanding. One of my favorites of all time. I'd love to get him back. Uh, and then Mike Monaco, who I've never had on, but would love to get him on the podcast. We went out. We went out for drinks. Whatever night that was that. Uh, the, the Celtics beat the Sixers. He's great. I would love to get Monaco on. So, yeah. And then throw there's, Kevin Euclid on that list as well. There's one name I'm surprised you haven't said yet. This this is uh, that that's the end of the list. This is the list from the Reddit thread. The There's wish one list. guy who got slept on there. <sighs> There's one guy who got slept on that is not on that list. Has he been on the podcast before? Nope. Uh, player. Yep. Mm. Christian Arroyo. Exactly. Yeah, he's, he's never been on. That's crazy. He's like he's like one of my fucking closest pals. <laughs> like that's why it's just like it seems so easy, but maybe that's why it hasn't happened. Because like when you're boys with someone, obviously it's a little different when you got to hop on here like that. But well, I, I told like him I want to do it in person. Pod, ooh, okay, okay. Yeah, like I feel now, like if if you're gonna do it for the first time, like we're doing it, we're doing it for for real. And I feel like he's the type of guy. Like what I'm, my my angle is. A lot of guys, I understand you're busy. You got shit to do. I feel like um, there are certain guys where it's like, yeah, I can give you 10 to 15 minutes in the, in the Red Sox dugout. Arroyo's a dude that would fucking pull up right here. Like, I feel like we could get him in the studio here. If it's like a Red Sox off night uh, before like a homestand, I feel like he would roll up and, and do something here. And like, that's the big thing. Like you were, I think you said it in the Reddit. You were like, there's a big difference where you can have someone in person with you instead of over zoom. And you're kind of trying to, you know, build a relationship there. But when you have one of your guys and you know them and you have them in person, it just takes it to a different level. You know what the difference is when you're on zoom, there's almost more of a question, answer, question, answer dynamic. Whereas when you're in person, there's more of a flowing conversation where like my interview style is I know what I'm going to ask for the first question. But I don't prepare anything beyond that. I just see where it goes from there. I know what I'm going to hit you with to start. No idea where it goes from there. Could go anywhere. Bring me Christian Arroyo. All right, let's do it. Done deal. Jake, who do you want? Is there anyone on, the, on that wish list that uh, or anyone that wasn't on the wish list that you would like to have on this year? I kind of thought Tyler was going to say this, but Brian Bayo would be sick. Um, that might he, be another one with the language. Right? Yeah, I don't know if he is fluent. Does he use a translator? I think so. I feel like I can't picture Brian Bayo's voice in my head. I can, that's kind of but like, it, it was not in English. Yeah, I'm pretty sure because I remember Devers a lot of the time when he was like on the mound and stuff was kind of going back and forth. It felt like 
Brian Bayo interview. Oh, yeah, no. I don't see any interviews here. And the only ones are in Spanish. I'm sure he'll work on it. Dude, Devers, like, I know we mentioned him earlier. Buster only said he did a full interview with him in English like two weeks ago. They didn't record it, but it was all. And he was like, I was shocked at how good Rafael Devers English has become. I think we're like a year away from him feeling confident enough. I think he could do it right now, but I think you'll see like him just be like, all right, I'm ready to kind of put myself out there and try it. Yeah. That's scary, man. I, I can't imagine what it's like. Like, oh, God, I took seven years of Spanish, dude. I can't give you a sentence. No. Yo, Tiyama. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it. But all right. Uh, we'll be back next week. Maybe we'll have a guest. I don't know. That's not even a tease. That's just like uh, things. Things happen. I w- I'll work on it. If you if, if people want me to do it, I'll do it. The people just want socks talk. We'll do socks talk. But uh, I feel like now with players kind of going splintering off to the World Baseball Classic and um, the Red Sox just like never losing. So um, that's even crazier. It's like they're <laughs> they're like losing their best players to the World Baseball Classic and they're still just fucking waffling teams. But um, Yankees sent out their opening day lineup today. Yeah. To try and stop Sit your ass down. You lost to the Woo Sox. Yeah. The Woo Sox and Reese McGuire. Mm-hmm. It's tough. All right, we'll see you next week. Buenas noches, amigos.